Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm feeling up. I'm feeling really up. Um, you know, for for a uh, late night, I'm ready to talk about a jam-packed episode. And I'm feeling extra good, though, tonight, because we have not one, but two of our favorite people in the world on the line with us. We have Dave and Dave, hailing from Pittsburgh and New Jersey, living in New York and Austin, respectively. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. I'm doing well. Awesome. Well, welcome to the guys. We, to the we both... We... We both paused in order to pr- properly talk over each other. <laughs> that's, <Yeah>. how, <laughs> that's how it goes on these podcasts, you know, with the awkward technology delays and the awkward, you know, uh, spacing. It's just perfect for talking over each other. Exactly. There we go. There. Uh, so let's get into today's uh, show. I think. Uh, well, I guess everyone. Um, does anyone have any show reviews or music stuff they want to get to first? Notes. Nothing. No, I think you should nah. plugs, and then we'll get into all the other stuff. All right. So first and foremost, if you would like to get in touch with myself, you can go over to DamienAbraham.com. There's an email address there. You can also find me on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. You can go over to iTunes if you would like to support this show and you use iTunes and write a review and rate this podcast or subscribe to it or better yet, do all of the above. You can also find this show on Facebook. Uh, it's run by my brother, Tristan Abraham. We like to post stuff that gets sent into the show on there. And, you know, so you can go over there and check that out. There's also a Tumblr page if you do not use Facebook, such as myself much like myself, and that's at turnedoutapunk.tumblr.com. And Chris, how do they get in touch with us here at Footnotes? Uh, turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com. Okay, and uh, do you guys want to give out your uh, social media handles at the top of the show? Because sometimes people don't make it all the way through. You know what? T- today I'll plug uh, Twitter. Yep. And... Uh, I'm at Livin Brindle, like living without the G, and Brindle like the color of my dog. It's okay. exclusively stream of conscience and totally makes no sense. Well, there you go. So uh, follow away. And uh, Dave, or do you want to have anything out, Martin? Uh, just David W.R. Martin on the various, uh, on the Twitter, on the Instagram. There you go. And so keep up with the boot report from Dave Martin. Yes. Uh, let's, uh, uh, I guess also, uh, before we get into today's show, unfortunately we have to talk about, 
Uh, some sad news right off the top. Is that right, Chris? Yes. Uh, Carl Hendricks uh, passed away from the Carl Hendricks trio and uh, sort of a, an acquaintance at the very least of, of Mr. Martin here, I assume, based on what you said, yeah, Dave? Yeah, I'd go a little further than acquaintance. Carl and I, uh, we worked together for many years. We were, we were, uh, we were great friends. And um, he's really, he is the sole reason I ever started putting out records. Uh, I remember being at work with him, just asking him about some of the new songs. You know, like, what's going on with that one? What about that one? And I was like, somebody should put that out. Uh, and then I was like, well, well, I could put it out. And so so I started putting out records. That's crazy. You put out there tw- is that 12-inch um, that you put out? Is that well, the f- I, first release? No, I, I put up. I put out uh, two singles by the Carl Hendricks Trio. Okay. And then Carl was also a member of the Speaking Canaries, which I did two LPs by. Okay. Well, very sad to hear about the passing. And, uh, of course, like, you know, it's one of those, and I actually, you know, one of the bands that I'm unfortunately not very familiar with, and uh, after getting your message, I checked out, you know, some music, and it's like, one of the great kind of lost bands, I think like, you know, maybe you think they're a little more appreciated than they are. Like I, maybe I don't know about reissues that have come out and stuff like that, but like, it seems to me like a band that's kind of not maybe, uh, as spoken about as they should be now these days. Yeah. I mean, you know, Carl made a choice early on, uh, you know, he had, he had kids pretty, pretty early on in, in the, uh, in, in, in the band and he made a choice to sort of concentrate more on, on his family life and all those sorts of things than to tour very heavily. So, you know, I think just not getting out there and playing in front of that many people is probably why they're not as remembered. But I stand by those records. I mean, anybody who's in, you know, that sort of classic early to mid-90s indie rock, you know, heavy Neil Young influence, very literate, witty lyrics mm. yeah, Carl can hold hold his own with anyone mm. well definitely check out some of his work if you haven't and uh, you know definitely and also Sledgehammer too right oh yeah that was uh, that was his band with uh, Ian Williams who would later go on to be in Don Caballero and Battles things like that um, that was you know that was uh, they, uh, I think that uh, you know that they were much sloppier and um you know, I mean, it wasn't even called grunge at that point, but possibly proto grunge at that at that time. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've got a couple Sledgehammer records. Definitely, a, you know, a, a, a noise rock classic. You know, Pittsburgh uh, noise rock classic. Um, but yeah, sir, a very sad to hear that passing. And uh, speaking of also very sad, uh, recently we've been talking about Freddie Pompey's battle with uh, cancer. And as mentioned before, there is a fundraiser benefit happening for him in a couple weeks. It'll be happening at the Garrison in Toronto on February 5th from 4 to 7 p.m. So it's like kind of right in the middle of the afternoon. Maybe I'll bring my kids. Uh, so we'll give them a chance to see the B-Girls, Battered Wives, the Curse, the Demix, the Dents, the Diodes, the Mods, and others playing a benefit, of course, for Frankie uh, I'm sorry, Freddie Pompey, of course, of the band, the Vile Tones, the legendary band, the Vile Tones. So that's like really, you know, minus maybe two or three bands. That's like your, your first run. Oh, also Arson's playing too. 
Um, that's your first run of Toronto punk bands that are all kind of coming together for a good cause. Um, so if you're around Toronto, go out and support that and, uh, you know, benefit from seeing some unbelievable music. Yeah, great. Um, and uh, there's also a Facebook event, so go on there and do what you're supposed to do for Facebook events, which is uh, would, would you uh, you are RSVP, and, but this time actually show up. Don't be one of those jerks that don't show up. <laughs> yeah, I so think not what you pretty... usually Sorry. do. Yeah, not what you usually do. That's what I was saying. Do, it, do that what you usually yeah. do, but this time actually show up. Yeah. We put the info for it, I'm pretty sure, on the uh, Turn of the Punk footnotes, or Turn of the Punk Facebook page, pardon me. Um, but if it's not up there, which I believe was put up last week by your brother, but either way, you can find it uh, via there or this show, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and and then, um, yeah, that'll be a, actually. Are you going to come in for that one, Chris? Do you think? Yeah, probably. It just depends on if anything comes up for as far as certain things that might get in the way that could. But other than that, yeah, I plan on it right now. Well, I think you and me are also hanging out this in a couple of days, right, buddy? Correct. I'll be coming. Dark Blue's coming to Toronto, and yeah. and uh, all of our friend and today's guest, Andy Nelson, will be in town. Yeah, correct. So yeah, they just played Austin uh, Saturday. Yeah, I think Andy Nelson might be one of the first guests that, outside of like you know, fandom, unites all four of us now because you met him, yes, yeah. and you know him now, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have the history like I'm sure some of you do, but yeah, he was uh, pleasant. It was a nice little meetup. I like the interview too. So yeah, I guess officially uh it it can coordinate with all four of us on this one. Mhm. Mhm. And you know the you knew the type of jacket he was wearing, so that makes you even closer to him <laughs> than me. <laughs> I didn't know the type of jacket he was wearing. I knew the type of jacket he was talking about. Okay, that's it. Whole other ball of wax. Oh, anyway. sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I did not mean to uh <laughs> To, uh, I, I do like the visual of a floor-length bomber jacket, but I dude, don't really want to jump right is, into the episode. It is exactly what you're picturing. <laughs> is it orange on the inside? Uh, no, I don't know. No, I think it's black on the inside. See. We didn't see oh, it, though. He didn't, he didn't Batman jump off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been sick. Uh, he was not wearing the jacket in Austin. <laughs> uh, no, he was probably not. I think I thoroughly although, embarrassed him about that jacket that night. Although dark blue are very fond of, of like a lot of clothes, jackets usually on stage when I see them. Yeah. <laughs> so I was surprised that he wasn't. There were some jackets on stage, but not any floor length bomber jackets. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be in that band and come out in like a big, like, Mace Puff Daddy video <laughs> silver puffy jacket on stage one night and just like stand there. Have you ever? <laughs> it's been talked about on this show, but I think it was before there was footnotes. Uh, heard about the last His Heroes Gone show, Dave? Um, <laughs> I I have, but I, I have not seen said video. I looked for it on the internet after the Turned Out of Punk episode. Yeah, I don't know if I've actually now seen the video or just had it described to me so many times and imagined it so vividly that it's like it's like happened in front of my eyes. Um, but it's definitely like it's like you know the bass player of His Heroes Gone coming out and deciding, well, I'm going to make sure this is the last show, and uh, and just launching into this incredible. Slap bass line. 
Um, and it's to me that's what I think uh, coming out on stage in a puffy silver jacket would probably do to the vibe <laughs> of Dark Blue. <laughs> yeah, they 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 also did not seem to roll with like an air of of, of humor the way his heroes gone also do not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, which is because very clearly from this episode, Andy's a very funny guy. Oh, he's great. I I, I had a very nice, like, b- before their show and, like, after we played our show, him and I, like, got food and hung out for probably an hour. So I, I had a good hangout with him. Yeah. Dave, you were going to say? I, I think there's a lot of humor there. Pardon me? <laughs> I think there's a lot of humor there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And and you know and 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 Sharky used to be funny back in like uh, <laughs> holy days, right? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a good uh, wise ass. Yeah, so like you know, there's there, there's like That's they're the waiting, they're job. waiting for the puffy silver jacket show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, let's get into uh, today's episode. Uh, I guess a lot of people have written in about this, Chris. Uh, yeah, there was a couple things. Are you going to take the first one? Well, yeah, whichever one you want to get into first. Well, why don't I take the first one? You take the first one. Yeah, on recent uh, Footnotes episode, we were talking about uh, punk in Cherokee Parks, and people have written in to tell us, like, did you know that that's the brother of of Corey Parks, of course, from Nashville Pussy? And yes, I think we've actually even mentioned that on the show. And that's part of the reason that Corey Parks is the NBA entry in the Turned Out of Punk All Sports team. <laughs> uh, we've already established that, that he's the NBA entrant. We don't know about anyone else. Uh, we're still working <laughs> yeah. on an NFL player. Um, and we do have a couple baseball players. Um, we do have. You got your hockey guy. We got our hockey boy, Devereaux. So got to come on the show. But man, that's my number one. For for sports, and then uh, you know we, we have our wrestlers. We've got definitely got a couple wrestlers, a few wrestlers. We're gonna add a couple more to that list <laughs> coming up. Don't you guys worry. Um, but yeah, so we're working on our turned out a punk all sports team. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next uh, thing that many people have written in to <laughs> intentionally say how unspecial I was in describing my pale head recollection in the Discord house uh, was that apparently recently there was an interview with Ian as well as Steve Albini. Mind you, Steve Albini, of course, not related to Palehead, but, um, or did he record that? I don't even know. Maybe he did. I can't remember. But um, anyway, on this, uh, there was a program, Creative Control, that covered, uh, I guess, that story and that particular part of Ian's uh, musical career. I was not aware of that, but uh, yeah, many people pointed that out. So uh, yeah, I guess I'm not that special, but uh, <laughs> I'll go check that interview out as well. Anyway, those are the, those are the multiple ones that we had to get to out of the, out of the gate. Um, I wonder if those people though got to see the uh, tax return or whatever he was showing you, like the paperwork. <laughs> like, here's my cab receipt to and from the airport. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't. I got to see the alternate artwork for all the records, and it was great. Yeah. So yeah, know. I don't think you need to check out the interview. I mean, you heard the story straight straight yeah. to the source. You don't need yeah. to. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Uh, all right. So do we get into, uh, I guess the episode, the mailbag now, right? Yeah. We have another connection to start it off. Speaking of baseball, speaking of baseball, we got one right here. Uh, subject line is Scott Radinsky plus another punk connection to Josh Cantor. And this is from our good buddy, Andy it up. 
and maybe played in a band with, I believe, Dave Martin at a certain point. Um, I want to talk about the Josh Tanner part real quick. First, I didn't even know who he was or that the Fenway organist had a connection to punk, so that's cool. As a huge baseball fan, I love a few baseball punk connections that exist. I didn't realize this until the this podcast, but Josh sometimes plays in a baseball-themed band called The Baseball Project. Yeah, The Baseball Project, uh, I put out a bunch of records. Oh, he goes on to kind of talk about it. But aside from featuring members of REM, Peter Buck and Mike Mills, Baseball Project also features Scott uh, McCarthy. Um, did I get that right? McCarthy? McCarthy? Is that it? Isn't that... Is that the Young Fresh Fellows guy? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Scott's early punk uh, 80s band, uh, Dinette Set, is credited on the resource as singing backups on probably my favorite Fastback records. Uh, the uh, five, uh, play five of their uh, favorite 12-inch. But also, someone from the Fastbacks, oh yeah, Kurt Blotch all, uh, plays in the Baseball Project too now. Because I got a text the other night from Josh Cantor where he's like, I'm just about to play with Kurt from the Fastbacks. And I was like, what? And he gave me the lineup that he was playing with the other night. And I guess this band, like, has, I don't guess, I know this band has, like, a rotating lineup. And they just pull in different members that, like, love baseball. And so it's, like, always, like, a crazy, awesome lineup of, like, just, like, baseball-obsessed people. Like, Craig Craig from uh, Hold Steady's done it before. And, like, a lot of people have been in this thing, too. Uh, also, Damien, did I ever tell you about my Scott Radinsky story? I'll give the short version to you guys. I basically uh, uh, brought up Scared Straight to him at a Cleveland game while he was at the bullpen coach a few years ago. I told him how much I love the 7-inch. Yeah, he did tell me the story before. And um, and then he goes into some 10-inches, <laughs> but I don't think we're going to do... Are we going to do 10-inches now? No. no, we'll, no. Skip, we'll skip those. Tonight. So There's some other ones. We'll that, save those. We'll, you, fa- we'll yeah. save those. Okay. Next email. Next email. Live in D.C. So kind of covering last week's, but... Uh, Really digging the DC podcast. Uh, Steve writes in, totally agree about the Ottawa side of the split. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, also in the, in the running are His Heroes Gone, Union, Union of Uranus, uh, and Carp Rye Coalition, Shotmaker, Maximilian Colby, uh, Coleman, Three Studies for a Crucifixion, and Man is the Bastard, Too Many to List. And uh, that's the topic of Split 12 Inches, of course, from the 90s. And uh, a few of these sides are close or equal, but not, uh, or equal to Ottawa, but definitely, but he definitely agrees with the Ottawa portion. Uh, and yeah, that was uh, was about it from that. So thanks for writing in, Steve. And a short one for Dame up next. Relate to Discord. Discord. Uh, can we please note that Damien goes on at length about how great Discord's record is, yet hates Fugazi? What the fuck? Damien, please clarify. I don't hate Fugazi, it's just like not necessarily. <laughs> my favorite band I like, I like pushing people's buttons about it because like you know they're it's like it's like uh it's like making fun of jesus or something like they're just like so perfect <laughs> that like you know it's just ripe for friendly play but like you know like i acknowledge that they're the perfect band and that you know it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, and I said this right to the dude's face. Like it's a, it's a hard burden to have to carry around. It's true. I can, I can attest to that. That did happen. Um, but yeah, like I don't, I don't, you know, like Fugazi, like might not be my thing musically, but you know, and I think like, to be fair, you know, you can 
you can ignore the Fugazi records on Discord and still have probably the greatest punk label of all time after slap a ham and off the disc and um, <laughs> uh, well, I'm trying to think what else I have on my ridic- ridiculous list, but you know, <laughs> but like, it's still like, you know, it's like, it's crazy. Like, like, you know, to say like, how can you like you discord? How can you say you love discord records and not love Fugazi musically? It's like, come on, there's so much stuff on that. I think it's more the question that of all the things that you happen to dislike, it happens to be like one of the cornerstones to what Discord is, is more or less the tone, I believe. But I, I, came, I, from a, I came from like a scene where my belief wasn't that uncommon. And it was very, it was very common to get Dance of Days and just read the beginning. <laughs> yes, the, the Back me up is... on this, Dave. No, I mean, that's, no, that's true. I mean, I, I, I feel like Fugazi was a band that I liked a lot when I was like first getting into it. And then I kind of just like didn't really follow with it and not, I mean, I saw Fugazi a couple of times, but you know, I was way more into like hardcore than, than, you know, the, the singer of minor threats, like more like indie rock kind of band. Yeah. And I, I honestly, yeah. the last time I saw Fugazi, like the fans it had nothing. It didn't remind me of being at a punk show in any way. Like it was just like a, like a, like a broy, like just like dude show, and I didn't care for it. It was in Philly to bring it back to this episode, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was just like because it because like the songs like Waiting Room were just massive, so it was just like like well, you might as well have been like at like a radio station concert. Yeah, but it was you know the dude from Palehead. <laughs> yeah, but also like you know I can't stress this enough. Like you know they have some songs that I think are obviously amazing and killer, but like. You know, I just mainly do this to get a rise out of people, like the Clash yes. stuff. You know, has That's... anyone from the Clash contacted you about about beef? No, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm I am ready like, though. Toppers not writing you any letters or no, anything not like yet. that. Like, not yet. I like. You know what's funny though? I uh, none of those dudes did any of those dudes do other bands that were good. They got Eo Dynamite. Exactly. Did anyone do any? Other... <laughs> yeah, a couple tracks, but. <laughs> Uh, in one in particular, but I think like for, uh, but like you think about the Sex Pistols, there's like good bands afterwards. Like, you know, a couple people did really good bands afterwards. So that's furthering your proof that you don't like the Clash for some reason? <laughs> no, I'm just saying the Clash, it's just like those people like, you know, but I'm saying like, I don't know, if you're talking about true artistry, then, you know, you got to talk about the Pistols. <laughs> just kidding, okay. just kidding. Okay, next uh, message here, uh, because I think David Up will love this one. Uh, Shit Split is the title from Phil S. I don't understand the, why the, no one mentioned the Blatt's filth Shit Split. Did I, I not? I thought we did, that's why I... It was on my list, maybe I didn't say it out loud, but it was definitely <laughs> yeah. on No, I, I think you did mention it. Yeah, I think I you did th- too. Yeah. And uh, I also wish someone mentioned the criminal's ten inch on recess, but I understand that one getting overlooked more. Still a shame, 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 shame. <laughs> and uh, uh, someone yeah, loves think. Jesse from uh, <laughs> from uh, criminals and and Blatz. Was he in Phil? Yeah, Blatz, right? Yeah, he was in Blatz. He's yeah. Jesse Blatz. Yeah, Jesse Blatz. He actually one of the first people I met when I went out to the Bay Area as like a, a kid. Really nice person. Um. I don't know if I, I don't know why I would have told the story on the air, but uh, I, I, Dead Nation stayed with him uh, when we when we played at in uh, at the Gilman, 
And uh, just for like things of you do on tour, it was a situation where I probably drank a gallon of water at that show. <laughs> and then we stayed at his apartment and the bathroom was in his bedroom. <laughs> so I just remember having to like walk through this dude's bedroom a million times that night. Be like, sorry, me again. Uh, to go to the bathroom a lot. But uh, um, Blats and Criminals, both cool. Uh, I had that Criminals 10-inch. Uh, I had the 7-inch the LP. Yeah, they were, they were cool. And, and, uh, and Blats. And if we're going to go into that type of realm, we didn't bring up the Raul Skin Teen split LP, <laughs> which has the song, I Fuck Jesse Blatz. To bring it all back into <laughs> rotation. <laughs> Although that might have been on the Raul seven inch, but I think it was on the split LP. Uh, See, this is why this is why David Up is an invaluable member of the club. <laughs> I don't think we brought up also the I'm, MK Ultra seeing Red Split, which has some six songs and we, on it too. We we also didn't bring up the uh, React Spasm one fifty one split, which I was reminded of, which is uh, <laughs> a Texas band that I omitted that I saw. I have a test press of that record downstairs, and I didn't count it. Whoa. Uh, and that's one of the records that survived so. the purges. Yeah, I still have it. Wow. So there you there go. There you go. Um, so next, next email is very Damien, so we'll I'll let you take it. Okay. Uh, what is this? Uh, uh, right after. Uh, oh, wait, I, was re- I was reading the PS. Oh, John B. writes in about the Juggalos. Love the Juggalo <sighs> talk during the Philly episode. Uh, like Damien, the gathering is on my bucket list. I'm also going to try and get to the March of the Juggalos this September in D.C. Yeah, did you guys hear about this? No. There's a Juggalo march on D.C. to protest their treatment uh, at the hands of, like, you know, various government police organizations. They're actually considered a gang on the FBI list or yeah. whatever. That's that's what the march is about. Yeah. Uh, I have to disagree with the... Uh, on the tolerable ICP songs, Homies doesn't do it for me. My choice is Miracles. It also has also awesome terrible. Video. No, yeah. See that Miracles is not like Miracles is like a novelty song, whereas Homies is just like a good song. It's like a song that if you're like at a party and you're like hearing it, you're just like bobbing your head. You're like, what is this? And then someone's no. like, Insane Clown Posse. You're like, really? That, this is them? Fuck, this is good. This is good. Turn it up. Turn it up. I'm with everyone's size on this. <laughs> Thanks again for the great podcast. I try to write in uh, about punk rock next time. Uh, I missed the boat about 10-inch records. No, you didn't. We're going to be doing that forever. There's never, like, there's no, there's no topic ever closed on this show. Uh, I don't think there's too many. I have that Sam McFeeters one and that Rock from the Crypt one. Um, he mentions the annoying five-inch record. Should be oh, another. Annoying five-inch. Sorry, I skipped that part. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of other five-inch. Jenny Piccolo, a Locust Split five-inch. Crossed out. Crossed out. Man's a bad. Or crossed out. Uh, Drop Dead Split. Yeah. Yeah. That format really sucks. Like the ten-inch sucks. Is Worst format. Five inches, like not even a format, really. Yeah, I know. It's 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 a novelty. Uh, I don't hate it as much as I hate the you know, picture disc or whatever, you know, yeah, or no, we know your feelings on the know. picture disc, Dave. <laughs> what, what about the, uh, is there a wretched one, picture disc five inch or there's some picture disc five inch. Oh yeah. There, there are like picture disc, like, uh, like, you know, our guest today on the show, uh, Jay Goldberg, uh, you know, bad luck has a picture disc. 
Which one? I don't remember which one. That, I'm sure they do, but anyway. Um, but I'm trying to think of, like, my band's never put out a picture disc. Career Suicide put out a picture disc, and it's, like, the biggest waste of vinyl picture disc ever. Dave, how annoying is that picture disc, where they just reproduce the cover art? Oh, yeah, sure. that that's it's like they screwed up. Yeah. It's for what? Signals, right? Yeah. 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 Good record, though. Great record. Fantastic record. But, like, like probably the biggest waste of a picture disc ever. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> I feel like I've seen picture discs where, like, the B-side's almost like like a solid color with just, like, song titles on it. Like, not even a picture, so to speak. Yeah, I that's almost say... cooler because that's even, like. You know, like uh, less of a waste in a way. Like I, I have the test press of that career suicide record, which is just like a blank, white, wreck test press, and it has like a little blue cross running through it, like I guess to line up the image. And uh, I think that looks better. <laughs> <laughs> than like oh. some shitty multicolored lines. <laughs> All right, last message before we get on to the discussion of the show. From uh, your pal and previous guest, Damien. Oh, uh, right. Let's see. From my buddy Woj from the band <laughs> Cold World. What was was he in that band Magnus too? We went into this on his episode. He gave you the whole. No, I don't think he was. No, he was. He's not according to the resource, but that doesn't mean that. No, I mean, it doesn't mean it's not true. He was. Yeah, he played in towards the very end. He brought it up on that show. But anyway, of, the, of one of my favorite bands, Cold World. And a uh, former early guest very early on. And will be hopefully a guest on the show again. Anyway, and also writer in of amazing emails, including this one. Hey, it's Woj. couple points on recent live episodes. A young Derek, uh, Skaced God, Skace, got a guitar player magazine, which this is Skaces who's brought up, of course, during the uh, Greg mental portion of the Live in Boston episode. Uh, he got a guitar magazine with a best 25 punk record album list in it and went out and bought all of them, which is how he got put on to Gang of Four and shit so young. Which makes sense, you know? <clears throat> yeah, there's no other reason that would happen. Another former guest, uh, Jay Mascus, that's reputed to be the story on him, too, that he saw a list of the 25 best Oi records and ordered them all from England. Have you heard that story, huh. Dave Martin? Uh, only, uh, from you, I think. Oh yeah. Or maybe, that must have been... or maybe he, he said some version of it on, on the episode. No, on, on my episode, he didn't say, but nothing. He, uh, mumbled yeah, yeah. A lot and <laughs> stared off into space and let me awkwardly <laughs> fill in the gaps. <laughs> that must've been a very weird issue of a guitar player that month. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Here's all the transcribes for the uh, this last resort record. <laughs> he would definitely the, he, the only way you could get him to talk is about oi. Um but anyway, yeah. that is uh uh anyway, next point on this is in Kim Gordon's book she talks about how all the grunge era bands clowned on Smashing Pumpkins because they were the band out of all of them that didn't come from punk and were clueless and uncool. And he says couple tracks though. I disagree no. with him on the couple tracks. Also disagree. Yeah, that's also why. disagree. Yeah. yeah, like I'm as adamant about them as most people are about Pearl Jam. Like I'm not a. I don't think there's anything. I do. I do count them as my most hated band. They're your most hated of band? all time. Yeah, I think so. Of all time. Wow. That's wow. Cool. They just came at the right time where you know yeah. I just you know when I was so ready to hate. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they were so hateful. And there's like nothing there that's like redeemable. Like there's no like there's no like good like you're like oh that could that's like an okay song like it's just like a guy whining and when it's like aggressive <laughs> it's like his whining's even more whiny. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even have a song I'm on the fence about. No, there's nothing on the fence about for that band for me. Yeah. The best moment of uh, that tour that we did with him in Australia, that big festival tour, was the one time running into him at immigration on the way out of Australia when I got to tell him that his work in his wrestling company was really awesome at the time, um, which was kind <laughs> of an overstatement. It was okay. But uh, and then um, also I walked through the field one time during their set watching them play and they were playing to like a, a pretty hurting crowd. So I could go right up front and watch it. And it's just like it's so weird when you watch a band that you've actually actively disliked for a long time, but like really up close. It's uh, it's weird. Anyway, those are my memories. They were pretty good on The Simpsons. That's probably one of their highlights of their career. Yeah, but were they better than Sonic Youth on The Simpsons? No. But were Sonic Youth on The Simpsons or just the music? No, they were on. They were on that. They were on. They were on. Yeah. Yeah. Little Blues episode. Yo, how, Dave Martin, do you have the Matt Groening record? I don't. Because he put out a record on Ralph Records back in the day. Yeah. I do not have it. I would love. What to. do you mean he put it out? Like he, like he's a he plays like. I don't know what I think it's music, right? It's like noise. Yeah, something like that. Weird. He's Did like not a residence dude. He's like a licorice pizza residence dude. Crazy. Did not know that at all. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I tell you, that's like the uh, my him Gary Panter. There's a bunch of artists that I would love to get on this show too at a certain point, but. You know, all in due time. All in due time. I just kind of have to wait till they fall in my lap. Um, anyway, back to this email. Uh, when I played in Full Contact, later known as Knockdown. I didn't know he played in Full Contact. Is he on the 7-inch? I don't know. I don't know. I have the demo probably in my box of tapes still. The 7-inch the, the is killer. Um, with Zach and Knockdown 7-inch is... Oh, sorry, go on. The Knockdown 7-inch is so much better than Full Contact. Yeah. Full Contact was not good. And then Knockdown was good. Yeah, agreed. And obviously, Violent Mind's great. Yeah, Violent yeah. Mind's is incredible. Um, with Zack Attack of Shark Attack and No Warning, and as we just mentioned, also Violent Minds, uh, John Sweatpants was living with Zack at his parents' house uh, as he was couch surfing at the time. I remember seeing John in what appeared to be a green tie-dye chain of strength shirt. Zack told me in private that uh, uh, he was freaked out because John had went swimming in their family pool, which had not been cleaned. And kept up in months. It was basically full of swamp water. And John was wearing said chain of strength shirt on during his swim. And basically the tie-dye on that shirt was from all the shit in the water. And he just kept wearing it. Um, (laughs) Just an awesome story. I would love, I've actually heard tale of a tie-dye chain of strength shirt. Or no, it's a tie-dye chromate shirt, right, Dave? Uh, they made them for uh, New Year's experience. Yeah, yeah. But uh, a tie-dye chain of strength shirt would be amazing. I'm not going to read this last one, Dave. I mean, uh, Chris. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, but and that's, that's it for this week. That's it for this week. 
Oh no, I didn't mean. Oh, oh should we read this last email or or I I didn't mean that. I mean I was going to read. Uh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's no there's no more emails this week okay. to get to. There's a whole Perfect. bunch of other ones. That nope. was it. For this then week. then let's dive in because we got we got we got shit to talk about, guys. We got an episode that uh, I listened back to this and I'm like, this was fucking awesome. <laughs> like it was. This is like the best mix of people. You can imagine, like, obviously two people from one band, but, like, very different people from that one band. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was I was very happy how it all shook out. Uh, Chris, what are your memories of that night? Well, first and foremost, being late. Uh, yes, very late. Sort of sort of being late. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of am in it, you know, obviously, so there's little bits of, of my recollection in the moment, but... Uh, I really like my highlights were Goldberg and uh, uh, Jackal, of course. Uh, no disrespect to anybody else, but it's just uh, it's kind of hard to highlight. I thought some of those stories are nuts, but, but we can get into that. Um, I think, though, maybe we should have one of the Daves take a point first because since we were there and lived it. Yeah, I, was, I meant I, maybe you should talk about uh, that was the day we also went to the Discord house, which we kind of talked about last episode. Correct, yeah. Uh, hopped in a car. Drove for seems like in got traffic stuck in the, all day. Yeah, got stuck in the worst DC traffic ever. And but then, we were uh, yeah. so high off endorphins <laughs> from like the punishing we had just subjected our punk rock hero to that yeah. we just like it was like Chris. That's what it's like being high on weed. I, I'm going to debate that because it was cool, and I don't I don't see it being Dude, cool. Dude, trust me, it feels <laughs> that good. A joking aside, okay, sure. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so we, we we basically got there, uh, you know, threw everything on stage, and, and pretty much went. Uh, so yeah, as Chris said, let's turn it over to Dave's. Uh, when, when do you guys take the first point? Do you want to uh, roll? just bounce around or do you want to follow an outline of person by person? I only like, why don't you guys just, why don't we just go off your guys points and then we'll like, I think Chris and I can just feed off your points unless Chris, you have anything you want to get to in particular. Uh, no, I'm good with that. I threw Dave's stuff at the end, Dave, if you want to look at it, both of them, some awesome. of the stuff they put up. Okay. So yeah, but why don't you guys pick your points? Cause, uh, yeah. And then we'll just go from there. Um, I, I, I think I'll bounce around this time. Yeah. And uh, I want to think, did anyone think the guy from Wide Eye was going to claim to have a big influence up by the Dickies? Oh, amazing. Yeah, I, was yeah I, I did not see that coming. I mean, yeah, Dickies for sure. But, you know, with Wide Eye, it's just not a part of their sound that I associate. I think like Wide Eye, like we talked about, obviously, underrated bands a lot in this show. Like few bands to me in hardcore are more criminally overlooked and uh, more underrated than than why die like by the masses yeah, like wonder... obviously by the nerds like it's lo- beloved by the the nerds and even like sort of the more m- even more mainstreamy nerds at this point i would say but like i would say that i would put that seven inch for me up there in like the top tier of like american hardcore seven inches yeah i i have a weird relationship because i was fully aware like, you know, I had those records, um, and I never saw them live, but like they were, I was like, Oh yeah. Why die? Those records are great. Yeah. And so when that whole revival happened, it was like, Oh yeah, you need that. 
those, you know, great stuff. So it didn't really strike me as so insane. Well, I think it's you funny because, like, the revival kind of happened at the exact same time as Afropunk, the documentary, came out. And there was, like, a lot more sort of awareness of African-American uh, influence and, and, and role in and involvement in punk rock and hardcore and American hardcore specifically, uh, obviously. And they were kind of just, like, not really brought up in that conversation in any sort of great way I found, you know? Certainly not in, like... You know, not in like the when people were writing up that movie, it wasn't like you were reading about them in Mojo magazine or like other places that film was being written up. And to me, like they're you know, uh, you know, obviously hugely important to hardcore and to the city of Philadelphia, like one of the most important bands from that first era. Yeah. Well, do, I mean, do you think it's because the Philly were any of the Philly bands mentioned in the documentary that I didn't see? Uh, uh, no, in Afropunk, nothing. Like, the only thing they, they, they talk about, I think they talk about NYN, um, um New York N-word, um, I think in that... The, the headliner single? Yeah, yeah, I think they talk about them. Like, they talk about, like, one of the more obscure bands, and they interview someone that was in one of the West Coast bands that's more obscure, and, of course, the Bad Brains get mentioned a lot, and a couple other bands, but they... Not, but I right. never, I never saw it either. Do they talk to D.H. Pellegrosso? I don't think so. Dead Kennedys? No. Okay. No, it's like it's it's a it's obviously like you know you know obviously a surveying kind of look, um, but like I just felt like why die, you know, given get also given the footage that's available of that band. There's incredible footage of that band on YouTube. Um, that you know they they deserve more of a mention, and still like even now, like I think. They're not really brought up, you know, there's like a bunch of bands that I think in hardcore that have been almost canonized at this point, like, you know, the big, the big ones. And I think the mm-hmm. one, the drop off to that next tier of bands is so great. You know, like I just, uh, I, know, d- go on. I just don't think there's any bands that are, that are of the big tier that didn't tour. And I think, or if they didn't tour, they were part of like a a scene that was like, like sure, like none of the the big heavy hitter New York bands really toured as far as like your your antidotes and your abused and your your urban wastes. Yeah, but they were part of a scene, so at least you like had that collection of bands. Whereas like, like no offense, but like literally no one's like favorite band is FOD. Like they're you know like. Dead Milkman, like I, I really like Dead Milkman, but like because they're of definitely songs, like, people's favorite Girl. bands, like John Worcester, and like definitely there's people that that's one of their that's their favorite band. No, what that, FOD? But, no, not FOD. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I do think Geronimo's um, theme is one of my. I love that song so much, but um, I, I do think, but like Dead Milkman, yeah, th- their one hit I think takes away a little bit of their credibility, yeah, yeah because like it's just like a, a goober, like anyone knows that one song. No, I I really like the Dead Milkman. Um, same same here, but, incredible. But, but like, what's the second best hardcore band from the '80s from Philly? You know, it's like, like it's clearly Wide Eye. Yeah, but then you're gonna go with like <laughs> McRad's definitely probably yeah. number two or FOD. But, but like, the, but it's like you're right, Head and Shoulders above is Wide Eye. Because like bands like Autistic Behavior are just like a flyer core band. <laughs> like you'd see them on bills, but like no one like I mean. They weren't a band that you'd like hear. 
Because I don't think they had anything out, right? Well, yeah. No, John Worcester, I think they did. They're on that comp, aren't they? Philly Get Off My Back comp? But, yeah, uh, I think they're on that. Uh, and Worcester says they were like one of the best bands on that episode, John Worcester's episode, um, who sounds an awful lot like that caller Philly Boy Roy that called into the, of the Yeah, those call. guys should, should talk to each other. Yeah. And Psychotic yeah. Norman's amazing, but yeah, they're not like so much a hardcore band as they are like a melodic punk band with hardcore like being a, a key influence in it. Um, whereas Wide Eye, yeah, it's like it's like ripping, you know. But like you know how Void's been kind of you know brought up to that top tier now, you know. Like people talk about Void in the same way that you talk about like they're like the almost like they're almost like the number two DC hardcore band at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not arguing with you there. Um, but like, you know, and I, yeah, it's almost like I think Wide Eye should be brought up to that level too. I want that's my goal. Why can't Wide Eye be there too? Why can't Wide Eye be Void too? No, they, they can only do one Void. They're I mean, they're. Void. I mean, I, which do I like Void more than I like Wide Eye? Maybe. Pro- I mean, I do for sure. But I don't. but like, am I, I, gonna, am I, I do, just say yeah. that that. I mean, I'm not saying it's like a like a, a you know a, you know a blowout, but like you know just preference wise, I prefer Void. But like, like, am I going to say Void's angrier? No, not at all. No, am I going to exactly. say you know? But like, You're that's right. not everything, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a super angry record. Well, that's the thing. Is there an angrier hardcore record? An angrier sounding first wave American hardcore record? Like, hmm. I'm trying to maybe think. negative approach. Maybe well, negative, negative approach. approach. Yeah. But I, I think the Wide Eye record, even like there's more just like rage. It's just like Nigger Approach is like almost like you're, you're scared of John Brandy because he's still a little bit in control, whereas Jackal is scary because he's completely out of control. Uh, I'd say Urban Waste was the angriest of the New York ones. Yeah. I was actually, you know what? I was going to say Urban Waste too because of uh, uh, oh, no! that scream. Yeah. Alone. Oh, yep. yeah. Fuck the greatest. Um, I, that's, that's my favorite New York record. I think we've talked about that before, but yeah, love it. How mad that record is. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could say that's my favorite New York record cause I don't have it, but I think if I actually was going to be honest with myself, that would be my favorite New York hardcore record. No way. Yeah, Can't do so. that. I, I like, going, one, but... would you like more? You know, what do I like more? What did you say? United like Antidote more? I love that record, but I like probably... It would either be the abused or antidote for sure. I like more than that record. I don't know. I like I love antidote and I love the uh, abused um, a lot. You know, but and but I I still something about that urban waste. You're right. Like there's an anger of that that kind of cuts through in a major way. Dave Martin, what's your pick for the New Yorks? Oh, it's it's urban waste all the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the punkest I'll give you. Yep. I like I do like I do like the uh, abuse record because it's like got like that kind of hard thuggy kind of vibe to it too, but and I and I love the vocals, but I don't know I think the anger on that and also that urban waste footage from CBGBs is pretty sick. Like this will sound like this is once again we're we're rating things that are are all tens, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, abused is is lower on my list. If I were ranking all these ties for first place, I, like I'll take the cause for alarm seven inch over the abuse. Oh, I don't agree I'll with take, that. And no, I'll take not with antidote over that, it as well. That's your punk rock colors showing, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> that's your that's Dave the punk coming out. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be labeled punk I, I or might... skin, you know? <laughs> don't you try to label him. Please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I like you know here we are talking about New York in the Philadelphia episode. But I guess that's like goes to show you that like it's funny because like you know for the how shadow much they're amazing, in. Well, for how much amazing comes out of Philadelphia? How much amazing music comes out of Philadelphia? Obviously, overall, how much amazing music comes out of Philadelphia? Certain hardcore punk in our kind of era. But like you know, there's not like what are some great Philadelphia kill by death bands? The Reds. Which the victim I, victims is a great single, but I don't know if that's like, you know, the the top tier of the of punk, you know. And then even like hardcore punk wise, like you know, punk wise, like there weren't that many bands to come out of that city compared to like a Boston or like a, a New York, a New York, a DC, a DC. A San Francisco, and yeah. LA. You yeah. know, what? Yeah. even even Cleveland, even Cleveland, yeah, like even like or Detroit, Maybe. even Detroit. Yeah. I mean, there were the sick kids. They didn't have a record out until 81, yeah. for real, but they existed in part like the late 70s. But there weren't, like, there weren't, yeah. like, as you say, like, like Victims, 78, that single comes out. There's that Helen, the Helen Keller 7-inch, I think, too. Is that, yeah, that's Philly, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, it's not like... It's it's not like uh, you know as we say like any other big American city you know. No, I mean I. What is it with Pennsylvania? Pittsburgh too, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Martin. Has uh, well, first of all, we we have nothing to do with the eastern part of the state. There's a line down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I know I played Pittsburgh the night that they played Philadelphia Flyers in in a hockey thing, and it was like no one watched us. Big big rivalry. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, what did anybody? Yeah, come to the show. It was us, Hardskin. God, I can't remember who else was on the bill. It was a pretty sick bill. Painted yeah. black, if I remember correctly. Painted black. I, if I remember, I wasn't there. Well, maybe but you're I right. Maybe it was painted black actually. But yeah, it yeah. was disastrous. For Nightbirds? When was this? <laughs> no, this would have been pre-Nightbirds. This is like uh, 2008 or nine, probably. Yeah, Eight? I think even before that. I think like six. No, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Two, six or seven. I don't know. Either way. Yeah. I think Dave Martin should take a point here. Dave Martin. Well, um, I was I was surprised that Jackal didn't mention the sick kids. It seems you know. Since he was he was around at that time, uh, you know, I, I was waiting for him to mention them, but uh, but he didn't. So, yeah. but it seems like I mean that they they at least had you know like a dramatic flair that he may have you know uh, considering his love for Wasp. Uh, I thought <laughs> that, that that's on my points as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tracks for yeah. days I'll tell you one thing I wasn't going to tell him my opinion on Wasp after that story <laughs> I think you need to revisit the first Wasp album <laughs> uh, I think my I love for Wasp not too long ago yeah I think my love for Wasp is best saved for Through the Eyes of Jackal oh man 
If, if, if you thought it was ironic for like Warzone to have a song about called Back to School Again, uh, there's a Wasp song called School Days. And like, there's no way those dudes were in school anytime recently. Uh, they were not young. No. But man, first first Wasp record, pretty much like a, if it's pretty much all killer the whole way through. You can go, you can go buy it right now for like five dollars, probably used and worth it. I don't think so anymore. Also, All those records are kind of pricey now, but you're right. It used to be a fairly cheap record. I I know I saw one at End of an Year really recently for maybe it was 10 bucks. It was cheap. So as far as locally, and as uh, to go to things uh, we talked about earlier, uh, I did own a Wasp-shaped uh, picture disc as a child. For, uh, <laughs> shape, shaped, like a, shaped like a pig head for the animal fuck like a beast uh, single. Uh, <laughs> Which, uh, which I I bought that from a flea market as a child. G- great record, yeah, awesome song. A great way to beat the PMRC too. Flea markets. Yeah, <laughs> the o- the opening lyrics to that song are: "I've got pictures of naked ladies lying on the bed." So he's talking about jerking off to pornography. As that's the, the record itself opens with a the mental picture of the singer masturbating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, unless well, there's a, a a partner with him while he's looking at pictures of naked ladies, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, but, maybe that's part of the game. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what Blackie was into? Nope. Nope. But I know he's like <laughs> not not into cool stuff anymore. But <laughs> no. yeah, I'll I'll uh, anyway. I go all all day on that one. We can bring that up if the uh, girl from Diamonds comes back. Okay, well let's uh, let's go into the next point. I guess uh, who's put, Dave? As I guess it's back to you, right? Or do you want to go on? Any more, Dave, Martin? No, no, I'm, I'm fine. Keep, keep going. I, wanna, I got something to bring up since we're talking old Philly. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it, maybe everyone else but me will have these. Do any, because Pure Hell is mentioned, do any of you gentlemen have the uh, seven inches, singles, whatever? I do not. I recently had one in my hand and decided not to buy it so I could buy another record just because I'm like, I'll see this again. And now I've been kicking myself ever since. And that was like a month, like, I don't know, when I was in England three months ago. Um, Dave Martin? I'm thinking Dave Martin. No, I don't. No dice? Okay, because that's one, like, no. I don't know these records. When he talked about it live, I was very curious to hear them, but... Um, oh, it's fantastic. It's only the one single, right? It's only the seven. No, there's two. There's, two. there's these boots are made for walking slash no rules, and then there's another one called Wild One. Actually, no, it says that's only a test press, though. Yeah, I know. That's so, like, boot- technically. Yeah, you never see These it. boots are made for the walk is the only one you never really see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but technically, there's two. The other one is not sold on the resource, <laughs> but it is listed, of course. Acetate, too. Yeah, no, there's, there's um, yeah, like it's, a, it's just an appetite. So, so we can say there's only one. Yeah, Golden Sphinx Records, 1978. But I was curious to hear this because when he was talking about whatever that band, I didn't know this, so I didn't know if you guys had it or whatever. See that there's some kind of like collection reissue thing that came out. Yeah, uh, CD. What's the label? Welf, Welfare Records. There's an LP of it too, apparently. Okay, that's but uh, yeah, there's an LP. But, yeah, it's called Noise Addiction. But I'm curious to hear because I don't know much about this band or, or anything really. But, uh, yeah, anyway, point of uh, mention, that's all. You know, I, I remember I used to see it around. I don't know why I never bought one. But. It's great. It's a fantastic single. I had one a couple of years ago, traded it in a monster blockbuster trade, uh, and then uh, subsequently have not picked up another copy. But, yeah, it's a, a killer record. All right, next point. Um, to bounce uh, upward, when uh, Dan was talking about Poison Idea, 
I just wrote that is blazing the best adjective for poison idea because the answer is <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and uh, some internal dial, uh, debate was whether the best poison idea song um, that we we had. And uh, Chris is correct that pure hate is the correct answer. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, discontent. <laughs> See, I I don't know. I I, I really if. Why pick just one? Agreed. Yeah, but discontent to me is awesome because, like, they put it out as a single, which is like, this is crazy that this is a single because it's like they're one of their most abrasive songs, especially at that point, too, for them to be putting out a song that raging and that abrasive. And then uh, also, he doesn't even say the words the second time through the song, he just mumbles them because he's that angry and it's that. So here's my, my counterpoint is this. The first six words to pure hate, and I won the discussion on that alone. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The chorus of discontent is pretty fucking hard, and it's about killing Nazis. <laughs> and that's fine. The first six words of pure hate still win. It's about killing Nazis in 2016. I think context being everything. We 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 discontent is like the anthem. Discontent's great. I don't even think discontent would be my second favorite Poison Idea song. Though, if I'm being perfectly honest, I'll be. I agree with you. Yeah. Well, you guys are both wrong. Like, what, both what's are... your second favorite, Chris? You gonna go Hangover Heart Attack? That's go a Death great Witch song. Kid? Uh, Death Witch Kids is a great song. Uh, trying to think of uh, another one that really jumps out at me. I really like. Um, I really like "Feel the Darkness," the song, which is kind of a weird yeah. hot take. Pick. No, I was gonna say that's a good. That I was gonna say like you guys are like just getting stuck at the dessert table like a bunch of little kids <laughs> gorging yourself. I'm over here with the adults sitting there with "Feel the Darkness," listening to some deep album cuts, getting getting my it, mind blown. But if I'm gonna be it's real, I, I'm gonna go. If I'm gonna go be real though. I'm always want to hang at the dessert table. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm over here eating the escargot of Poison Idea song. Yeah, fuck that, man. I'll listen to Ian McKay front to back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your choice of words for the cover, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we never. Uh, that did not get broached. No, I did not and... bring that. Up. <laughs> Also, the, the fact that, like, I heard a story that they, one time we we're going to send him. Did I ever tell the story about what what that what they're drinking on that back cover of that record is? Um, it, I've heard about it, but I don't know if that was a private conversation or not, but I know. It was something disgusting. Yeah, it's like OE, where you drink half of it, and then you let the other half go flat in a freezer overnight. And then you, or you fill it with nitrate that's been in the freezer, sorry. And then you let, but you let the OE go flat, and then you pour in the nitrate, and you drink that and they called it a super beer and they were going to send one to Ian McKay and just write on the label drink it you pussy don't you think at this point that like Ian should put out a record called like the Jerry A LP or something like that really just put him in his place <laughs> just like that's his hardcore <laughs> record yeah, yeah yeah imagine like Ian's like just like one day he's just been like sitting like in the lab for years and anytime someone's like had a like a diss on him in the media he's just like written a, like a hard song about it and then he's just like oh well here's here's my here's my diss record for everyone and there's like a song about danzig song about jerry a <laughs> like you know it's just like one everyone on the list 
song about me not liking Fugazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he put a, the Damien Abraham record, you'd be, you'd be, would you have real mixed feelings? Like, would that be, you know, if, uh, if Ian just took a shot at you? Yeah, I've I, I've learned recently what it's like to have your heroes, uh, you know, come at you, and it's it's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, let's get, should we get into the next one? Yeah, who, who wants to take one? Um, well, I just did the, uh, the, the poison idea. Really. So this is Dave Martin. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. That. Well, okay. The Cro-Mags. Um, <laughs> I, I was a little un, unclear, like, He's talking about seeing the Cro-Mags in the 80s, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's talking about the Age of Quarrel tour. Okay. Yeah. I saw them on that tour. Um, They they were fine. Whoa, that's a hot take. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it was far from the best show I saw that summer. Whoa. Yeah. Have you ever heard the music expert on the best show, Dave? Oh, I, I have. Dude, I'm living it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I've always been a little underwhelmed. Um, you know, I mean, the record, it's, it's okay. I don't know. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> it sounds like John Joseph's trying to sing backwards or something. I, it just, and then and at a certain point, you're just like, they're not the bad brains. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I I'll give you that they are not the bad brains, uh, but they are yeah, amazing. Well, then, but they were so, trying so hard to be the bad brains, I, and and then can we talk about their tattoos with specifically John Joseph's? Like what what is that whole chest piece supposed to be? <laughs> I, I don't know it. I don't know what it looks uh, like. He's got. I think most of his tattoos, if not, are all just like Krishna stuff, aren't they? Yeah, it's Krishna stuff, isn't but, it? But, but, like, on his chest, he has, like, a guy, like, standing at a grill. Like, and I, I assumed it was always just something sort of about, like, you know, meat eating and, you know, stuff like that. But it still seemed like such a bizarre image, you know, for a tattoo. I, I, I don't have, have any tattoos, so, Dave, maybe I'm, I'm speaking to you. I have a fair amount of grilling-related tattoos. Uh. <laughs> Everyone, everyone you're talking to has got ink, Dave, except for you. Yeah. I'm the odd guy out here. In the odd guy out. You know, we all think, like, whatever they are, they're cool. It makes, no, in 2017, that makes Dave Martin heads and tail, heads and, uh, heads above coolest of the, of the four of us. But, um, I, I don't know. That, I've never but... thought, I, do you guys think it's weird? I don't know. I didn't, uh. I've never thought about like banned people's tattoos and I like how we like... all glossed over Dave's take on the chrome eggs. Like we're all just like not going oh, I mean, to I'm not that one with them. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not done. We're still on this the chrome eggs coming. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> but uh you, but, but to go on that like to to because we're talking about more like kids takes on this like when to to when Motley Crue came out with like the wild side video, so to speak. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the first single off the uh, 87 Girls, Girls, Girls album. Um, 
that was really when like Motley Crue like stopped dressing like weird, almost like puppets, and like sort of like became like biker looking. Yeah, and uh, I mean, at you know, I was like what eight, nine. Um, yeah, they were cool as shit. You know, they were like because that's when they just looked like they were. That's when like they had the most tattoos of anyone I'd ever seen. You know, like they that was something that seemed cool. So like my in the point on that the kind of thing was like being young and people with tattoos and being young and like swearing. Cause that was two things that came up in that, <laughs> that whole, that section of like how much uh, people like those things when you're like 12 are super cool. I like that. The actual point is written. Kids love swears and tattoos, which I agree. Yeah. With. yeah. <laughs> um, but to go back to the Chromags, cause I don't want to like, who did you see them with on the 86 tour? Uh, they, I don't know, they headlined. I mean, they just played Pittsburgh with, you know, like, you know, some local openers, I think. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like other people that I saw them with, like, saw them in New York, so you'd see them with, like, like oh, I saw the Chromax because I went to see Venom, and that's, like, essentially how I got into hardcore, was, like, like, the... Guitar player of Floor Punch went to go see Venom and the Chromags opened. So he saw Chromags in 86 or whatever that was. Um, I mean, they seem like they, I mean, would be an intense thing to see live from live tapes that I've seen from that era. So that's why, like, the records could be what they are, but I feel like live, it would be weird to, like, watch those dudes just and then be like, eh. <laughs> you know, I don't know. That that seems odd to me. This is Dave Martin's uh, Fugazi Misfits yep. Uh, clash. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think it might be. It You're might a part be. of the club now, Dave. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you found yeah. it, Dave. You found your thing. <laughs> you found your weird freak thing. <laughs> uh, all right. You really here's one thing I will say though, Dave. Do you like Earth AD by the Misfits, Dave Martin? Well, I think I said before that's a loaded question because, like, I've listened to that record so many times. Yeah, that um, you know the answer would be no, and um, but yes, of course. Because my, my question is, if you're if you're sort of met on Age of Coral, I'm just like that. I don't compute that one in my brain. Because to me, Age of Coral, I like a million times better than Earth AD. But I didn't know if one is because when I'm comparing like sonic aggressive templates, it's sort of in the ballpark, I guess. So I'm just that's the that would be my only comparable of like this record versus that record of that era or whatever. Dave, answer me this. Yeah. Do you like the replacements? No, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, like the first few records. Oh, just are leave okay, it there, buddy. Do I you like them? You no. had me. You had me. No. At, you had me at no. <laughs> yeah. All right. The eight, Earth AD and Age of Quarrel are so far from each other. Like Not they're the sense of, like yes, but, but no, you, like yes, but but do you understand my answer? Like, oh yeah. I mean, you know, like. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Earth AD. And so, I mean, you know, it's a record with a lot of baggage. And so, like, yeah, um, I, I've listened to it more than, than records that I would claim to love. 
but do I like it? No, it's not. It's not very good. It's pretty. It's pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we love you on the show, Dave Mart. <laughs> yeah. The takes All are right, hot. The time. takes are hot. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move uh, on to the next point. Let's let's. Who haven't we touched on so far? So we've kind All of right. got Jason Goldberg well, stuff. We got. I, I had another Goldberg thing I wanted to say, and then I can we can move past him. But prior to this interview, I don't think I ever knew that Bad Luck, Bad Luck 13 had a wrestling approach. <laughs> like, as, as, an outside, <laughs> as an outsider, I, like, you know, shots fired. I don't know. I'm not trying to, like, start beef because, like, I don't know this dude. But, like... I literally just associated them with as like a force that ruined shows. <laughs> yeah, like literally. I, I literally like like a like a Gigi Allen type of situation, in the sense that being like, oh yeah, people book them and they just like they ruin a venue. They'll never do shows there again. Like I don't know why people book them, because anywhere that they play, that'll be the last show that that venue ever does. Yeah, and that's... I didn't even have any idea that it was like antics and shenanigans. Like I thought they were just dicks. But that's before, like, was that before you were into, like, Gordon Soley and all that, too? Because that's what Gordon Soley was like, you know? I had no idea that they had any wrestlingness about them. I re- <laughs> literally only thought they were, like, just just dudes that ruin shows. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, there's, like, a certain type of band in hardcore and punk that, like, you know, that exists. And it exists in a lot of different scenes, you know? Haymaker was our example here, where... You know, like this band, it's like you booked like No Justice too. Like obviously, No Justice is incredible. I love them, but like, you know, like if you were on a show having to play after them, you're like, oh, this shit might get shut down. Like, well, no one was playing after Bad Luck because the show was over. Well, that's the same. Like, probably no. no Justice too. A lot of times. No, I mean I've played after No Justice. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, but like. Like with with Gordon Soley and the you know this could just be me defending the bands I liked, but uh, like it would be like fireworks and like kind of like controlled chaos. Whereas like Bad Luck Thirteen would come in and it's like let's just break all the windows to the venue. Like that's not <laughs> crazy. Like that's just like nope, we're never doing shows here again. <laughs> like that's that's how I'm like that's that was the difference. You know, like let's light the trash cans on fire and break all the windows, or let's you know set off firecrackers because i think that's because the people in bad luck are like like you know that much more closer to the edge you know like yeah their their way of unwinding is even more severe than tony erba's way of unwinding (laughs) and like maybe i was wrongly judging them like because i i just associated them with like the Philly tough guy kind of stuff in the sense of being like, we're just going to play a show, but ultimately there's just going to be fights and the venue is going to get broken. And then this will be the last year of this festival, or this will be the last time this day they do a show here. Well, yeah, Like I had no idea. It, it was, a, it was a, a stick. Yeah. If you're in on the gang, if you're in on the, like the, the people that are scary, it does, they're not, it's not scary. You know, like if you're like part of it, you know, like I think, or like, you know, I think about bad crew, not crews necessarily, I shouldn't say, but like just bad groups at shows and, 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 and people at shows. And it's like, and then you think about the time that you're like, oh yeah, like there was that show 
that all me and my friends rolled into and moshed like assholes at and like you know like kind of like you know ruined it <laughs> like maybe not in the way that they couldn't have shows there ever again but like it's funny like i saw someone post a picture of a show in from your your hometown chris and being mm-hmm. like after we played here like you know people hated us after this night i think it was hambo posted a picture of like, some crazy show there that happened and it was like oh yeah like you know everyone you know, has the possibility of becoming the asshole at the show if they're with their group of friends and not realize it. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think there's always, uh, you know, we know all the parties we're discussing right now, so it's like a weird thing to discuss. But, uh, and as someone who played that show in question, uh, I also have my own feelings on that personal show, but uh, not great, also my dad. But, um yeah, I don't know. I think the idea, the only thing I would say of this is that it was that weird. I guess bad luck would have been a little earlier. Like I put bad luck, Gordon Soley, no justice. I feel like we're later than all that though. But uh, or I guess bad. I don't know. There was a thing where it just seemed to be that there was always the shtick of one a band always trying to be the craziest or something, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I always ever heard of these kind of groups. And bad luck was one of those that I heard. I, I don't. I never got to see them. I didn't know what their live reputation was like, other than seeing like bizarre video footage in like a whatever, not Gigi Allen, but whatever that would be in whatever '99 uh, in like sort of contemporary hardcore, if you will. But uh, I don't know. From his interview, he definitely seemed to suggest that. Uh, you know, it was more of the idea of what the crowd that they seemed to gather rather than their want of destroying everything, Mm -hmm. which we can attest to here is the case (laughs) in the past. Well, yeah, I never saw, I I never got, like, I knew those guys were into wrestling, but I never got that that was the shtick until he kind of brought it up on that show. You know, that night. Like, I never got that that was the thing that you're like, I'm with you and Dave. I'm with you and Dave, too, yeah. But then totally. with Eat the Turnbuckle, you definitely get it. Right off the bat, you're like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Really interesting. And the name. <laughs> yeah. Um, name, yeah. Name definitely Thank helps. But also, like, with no like justice, though. The stage show. Yeah. With with no justice, though, was it was just the singer. It was Timmy Green going crazy and, like, just reckless stage diving and, like, and yeah. more than it was, like, it wasn't, like, like, breaking stuff. It was, like, breaking Timmy. You know, it was not, it was a guy just like diving 70 to, to more like 80% of their set. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know? I wasn't implying that they, you know, that they were wrecking shows and wrecking venues. But at that, by the same point, like at hardcore shows, they shut down the show because like, you know, the mic got pulled the wrong way or something, you know? Yeah, there'd be no more PA. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying like, you know, like the... The you know, and also who knows? Like at that time, imagine if you were at a show and you're there to see—I don't think these bands ever played together—but you're there to see Braid play, and then all of a sudden, No Justice comes on, and you're like, "Oh, these are the guys that ruin shows." Like I don't know, maybe I'm thinking of this specifically because like one time, Fucked Up opened for Battles, and we opened with the Chromags intro, and uh, it was fucking nuts. People just like were going mm-hmm. crazy. But then I, you know, but but we also, it ruined the show for a lot of people at that show that night. So, you know, I felt like, oh, I was the Bad Luck 13, so I know what it's like to 
I guess, be the person that's making it hard for someone else to enjoy a show. Being people that were there to see yeah. battles that had to put up with fucked up playing the Chromex intro and like Sean Agnew belly flop diving onto him or something. <laughs> I, I saw no justice of. Pardon me? Where was that show? At the church in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Well, people could just go outside while you played. They were, it was right? so sold out that you couldn't <laughs> leave. It was like these people were basically pushed into a slaughterhouse. Of having to stay okay. up front and watch us, and then just dive after dive after dive on top of them. And so, <laughs> I saw No Justice a handful of times. I don't think I ever saw them with Braid. No, I don't think they ever played with Braid. <laughs> I did see ninety seven eight with Braid, but that's different. Really? Yeah, the, that's a good flyer. Uh, it's the, uh, it was like Spaz and ninety seven A at CBS, but it also featured like Braid and the Get Up Kids, maybe, and and Hemlock. Um, it's, it's the flyer that Chris Kelly made. That's just like a wretched emo band, another wretched emo band. <laughs> like, and that's like the description, <laughs> you know, it, it's got a Henry Rollins with the microphone in his mouth from Mike Muir's, uh, garage or yeah. whatever. It's like that picture. I'll, I'll, I'll find the flyer and you can put it on the, uh, on the, uh, the nice. it's, it, it's a, it's a, it's a good flyer. Oh, it's a, good. it's definitely in like fucked up and photocopied. I'm sure. I it's don't think that's in fucked up in photocopy. Maybe in volume two. Maybe in the second one. Yeah. Um, and maybe, there's going to be number three one day. I, I hope so. I, 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 in the losing of my books from various moves and breakups, I do not have fucked up in photocopy anymore. And I, I, I mean, I've had, I have the second one. Yeah. I, it's on my Amazon list to like just buy again at some point. I just, it's it's weird to like buy books you've owned previously again, but I need to at some point. I went to that dude Brian Ray Turcott's house. Uh, I, I would love to. It is, dude. It is the best. It is like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but of only punk. Yeah, I, I'm well from. I'm very familiar with it, and I would love to. It's just oh, have not gone. You gotta go to L.A. Um, so that that flyer it lists Spaz West West Bay Hardcore Mayhem first tour ever. Braid, a damned emo band on tour from somewhere. Monster X, Ebullition's only real hardcore band. The Get Up Kids, another wretched emo band on tour. Hemlock, hardcore question mark, death metal question mark, at least it's not emo. 97.8, New Jersey hardcore with brand new record too. And then it says, oh sorry, there's another band, Ethel Measure, um, hmm, more emo still question mark. Yeah. Monster X gets the props. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chris, this is the actual band order, so the be there early. CB show start on time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's right. a good flyer. Good, good, uh, killer flyer. Killer. Flyer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next uh, point, Dave Martin, I believe, or who's it? Who's it got this point? I don't know. Let's I look. took the last one. Okay. Um, I don't have one, so one of you two go. All right. We we'll go back to. Uh, Should we do this one as the last point? Is that is that. Are we getting that time? Well, yeah, we, I, I don't know. We didn't even get to Andy yet. We didn't talk about Andy Nelson at all, so we could yeah, talk about like beat happening. And we didn't talk about beat happening. Roy. Beat happening, oh. or our band could be your life. Get um, into all that. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Andy yeah. Nelson. Andy Nelson. Who knew he was so into beat happening? Yeah, that was the uh, shock of all me. shocks. 
Yeah, you know, did not did not know that. I think I think that's the thing though. Like he always has had like secret indie kind of vibes, but he's like secret power violence too. Yeah, but I don't think like not so secret power violence. Not so secret power violence. You know, kind of like you know, open secret power violence. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the beat happening thing kind of took me right off guard. Um, you know, I thought he was going to have gotten into it like the rest of us through uh, Survival of the Fattest Volume One. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dave Martin got into it that way too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but you, you know, know I, go on. Sorry, Dave. No, I'm not even going to say it. No. Uh, by the way, we didn't even talk about this. Uh, guess who's an uh, epitaph recording artist now? Me. Who? Oh wait, what happened though? I yeah. got backdoored oh. into a contract with Epitaph Records by J Tree. J Tree. So what happened? J Tree sold their catalog to Epitaph. Um, and then told the band two weeks after the sale went through that. Uh, so now Hidden World, if it's going to be reissued, is going to be reissued by Epitaph. So I guess Play I'm living, the Poison Idea. Yeah, well, I'm like Poison Idea. There you go. And I'm living my Epifat fantasy. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. Kind of ish. Yeah. You know, Punkle Ram. Well, our fucked come. up. Our fucked up playing the 2017 Snow Jam. I, I I want to play the Epitaph Summer Nationals. You know, <laughs> I hope and, I hope and I get to play. Could you imagine like the Epitaph Summer Nationals now? What it would be like? Be like do, do, have you done a uh, punk yeah. rock bowling? Oh yeah, dude. Okay. That punk rock bowling is where my uh, epic fat Mike stories from that I I, I will not tell <laughs> right now. Who wouldn't fucked up as the best bowler? Uh, suffice to say, no one had fucked up went anywhere near the bowling alley. <laughs> We walked <laughs> through it to the thing. car at one point, I think. <laughs> we're like, they're like, you guys got a bowl. And we're like. Yeah. I think I think to play, every man must bowl. Yeah, that's what In they, fact, they, that's how, you know, like, that's how they should decide the lineup. I think that's, like, like who, actually who how it's supposed to be. And bands actually, like, want a bowl and take it super seriously. Which, you know, for fucked up is where we really tap out. You know, I bet you Jonah can bowl. Oh, I guarantee there's people in fucked up. Like, you don't think Mike, super jock, is like super good at it? You know, like I bet you he's like he can bowl like turkeys and stuff. But at the yeah, same he, time, yeah, his sleeper hit. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, like we're not like a, a camaraderie activity where the whole band's taking part. Like, nah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, I would love to see you guys all wearing bowling shirts, though. I think it'd be amazing. Oh my god, yeah, like that. That would. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we did not bowl. We did not bowl at all. But uh, uh, I did get to see Fat Mike get whipped. So you know, that's just as wholesome as bowling. Yeah, just as just 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 as wholesome. Uh, and I met someone that went to uh, her prom with Bubba Dupree from Void. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Yeah. So there we go. It all comes back to uh, Void. Um. Uh, but yeah, like I think Andy, uh, Andy is like certainly one of those people that I've, um, you know, known the longest, as I mentioned on the show. Um, and, uh, one of my favorite people, and I think he is like hilarious, really, really funny and really witty. And I think that came across during this conversation with him. Yeah, he's great. I'm, you know, big, big Andy Nelson fan. What was his first band called? 
I mean, I saw affirmative action Jackson. But That's I what I was thinking he, of, he, affirmative action Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that the worst band name? <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I would say it is not. Yeah. It's up there, though, right? Like, we could all say it's like. I mean, if you, were, if you were. If you it, it's the worst band name of bands that Andy Nelson has been in. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can all safely say that. He's got. It's got, such a power. They've got a such new a power violence name. It is a very power violence name. It was very, like, post spaz. Like. Yeah. It's a spaz take on power violence influence name. And they used to be like funny on stage and like talk. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. And do they would all talk. Yeah. Which I guess Painted Black talks a lot on stage too. Correct. Um, but does Andy ever talk on stage during Painted Black sets? I've seen him with a mic on Painted Black sets and talk. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely. He, him and, da- and uh, Dan would go back and forth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's got stuff to say. He's got stuff to say. You know, not in my bands. Would you ever let that, Dave? Like another, like someone else in your band have a microphone? Oh, you do Me? that and tear it up. That definitely happened. Yeah, I'm tearing it up all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't care. People could talk. I, I, it's, it's everyone's stage, man. John uh, opens his goddamn mouth. I'll shoot him a death stare. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, Jonah. Like, mouth that to him. Like, shut the fuck up. And then he will. He's not captain of this stage. No, no, you're not allowed to get on the mic. Like, who, <laughs> do I pick up one of your guitars and will it around or play on a cymbal? Like, tss, no. And if I did, I'd be yeah, allowed you, to, but I don't. Yeah, if you if you use your microphone and hit the hit the cymbals, the drummer gets super mad at you yeah. every time. Yeah, you get a death stare yeah, for okay. that. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, 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 you go, Dave. Uh, I just thought of something. You know, fucked up. Played that cruise a while back. Yes, we you did. Think that's where Jonah was. Like, I, I kind of like this boat thing. I feel so at home here. I, I, think, <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, like, my, my, you know, career suicide. You're a fine girl. What a good wife you'd be. But my life, my love, and the lady, the sea. Well, yeah. let me tell you. I, I, I can tell you, like, <laughs> like I, I, I haven't been on Jonah's boat now. But I think, like, it would be like comparing, like, a uh, Motley Crue stage show to uh, Three Studies for a Crucifixion stage show. <laughs> as far as living experiences from a cruise ship to a houseboat. You know? <laughs> it's like a little bit like, like I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't have a great living quarters right now. He might. But he does not have all you drink, all you can drink soda, or food anytime you want. They just have food twenty four hours a day in the restaurant, you know. Or Jello by Afro giving lectures about the unfair treatment of the workers on the boat in one of the classrooms on the boat. Yes, they do have classrooms on the boat for some reason. Are you saying the galley at the SS Falco is not up to your standards? I haven't been on it yet, but if there's not a soft serve ice cream machine, then no, Dave, it's not. <laughs> and you better believe there was one of those on the cruise ship. <laughs> like, I'm never going to go back on a cruise ship, and I had no interest in going on a cruise ship till I went on a cruise ship. But my God, did I have fun on a cruise ship. Uh, I mean, I would like to think that if it turned out a punk live show on a boat was an option, 
you take it, right? Oh, it's happening if it happens. Well, yeah, but it, it, like it turned out a punk on a boat thing would just because we could get out of like into international waters and really smoke weed. <laughs> no, what if it was really like legal? You, yeah, <laughs> but you would. But the thing is, you wouldn't need to because punishing your your legends is just as good. Yeah, but punishing your legends on <laughs> weed is even better than good. <laughs> like, I mean. <laughs> I've uh, I've I've come to realize that the best turn out of punk experiences are the high turn out of punk experiences. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I digress and don't do drugs because they're bad. But marijuana is not a drug; it's an herb, so do it. And, and <laughs> or just spend all your money on records instead. Or spend all your money on records, or try and find a way to do both. Because that yeah. would really make you crazy. Um, uh, <laughs> next point. <laughs> uh, if, if we're going to go to Jeff Cannonball, um, I, I made a joke to he each other about... With, wait, Jeff Cannonball, who did roll to the show with Andy It Up. Yeah, on a, on a, uh, a group uh, text I have with a few of my friends, they did... P- Point out that you said uh, that you referred to Andy as being a, a Philadelphia person. For you immediately corrected oh, yourself, immediately. but we we uh, still poke fun at it with each oh, other. I bet you guys did. Um, because Andy was so much a presence of being a Jersey Shore person, so like we would we would bust balls about him not like we like in a tear it up nickname he, we called him Inland Andy at one point just to like fuck with him. I I remember the, yeah I remember him telling me like he's like. I'm like, he's like, yeah, I'm for, uh, we hang out at the shore in New Jersey or something. And I'm like, oh, like floor punch. He's like, no, they don't actually hang out on the shore. We actually hang out on the shore in New Jersey. You don't see yeah, guys yeah. down there ever. And he was like, the, uh, dead serious. Yeah, he's dead serious <laughs> about that. The, uh, the, 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 second ba- the second bass player of Tear It Up lives slightly closer to the ocean than him. So then that's where the, the inland Andy thing came from. Because he, like, this guy lives closer to the water. Yeah. Uh, why do people like it? You know, people like from the shore claim the shore harder than any other part of New Jersey. I find. Yeah, of course, because it's like kind of its own thing. Like, like I mean, if you're from like like Everybody I grew up out there, it's from Philadelphia. Well, not the, like, not these people that I'm talking about. They're like the most Jersey no, people. No, ever. no, but but because they're so sick of all of the people from Philadelphia. They want you to know that they're truly from oh, the shore. Yeah. yeah, they're not Bennies. Yeah. Um, but, like, I grew up, <laughs> much, like, in the shadow of New York, whereas if you're in, like, Cherry Hill, you're in the shadow of Philly. If you're, like, super south, you'll, like, be close to, like, Atlantic City or, like, New Brunswick. Like, you'll have your your areas you can claim, like, what's near to you. The shore is kind of, like, all-encompassing and, you know, also... You know, something that's made famous in the general tri-state areas, like to poke fun at or have pride about, um, you know, as referenced by the dead milkman at one point to go back to Philly. Um, and by floor punch, like, yeah. to go back to floor punch. Yeah, and floor punch, you know, fast to the Jersey Shore. But, uh, I mean, like, they're not all from the shore. Oh, I mean, so but par- the shore apparently so someone else is a bit of a locals-only Jersey Shore person as well. But but I mean they're not. I mean the the Chris Zusai, the guitar player, is from like um what's like Maplewood maybe. I'm, I'm blanking on the town, but it's like it's it's pretty far from the ocean. 
Um, it's not the shore, but like, I mean, a bunch of them definitely did live down the shore, like Porter, the singers from the shore, uh, the the drummer. Yeah, like, I actually I, forget where he lives. A I bunch think, of them are. But. I think you guys could get your ire up a little more if they had called that record "We Are All from the Shore." But by calling it "Fast yeah. Times of the Jersey Shore," they might have been like "Fast Times of the Jersey Shore" while we're passing through because we're just visiting because we're not actually from there. Yeah, <laughs> they they were not a Jersey Shore band. No, apparently they were just I, you guys have made that abundantly <laughs> clear to me. That's the one thing I definitely have taken away <laughs> from every conversation I've ever brought up with Floor Punch with any member of Tear It Up. They are not from yeah. the shore. But neither were Tear It Up. Tear oh, It Up were not a shore band. Yeah. But as can. much as by the end we were <laughs> Oh, I, I we, well, a bunch of us lived down there, but I was not from the Well, shore. we weren't a shore band, but yeah, we actually were much more of a shore band than Floor Punch ever was. Hey, we I'm played the shore a lot. I, I'm from Yo, No Warning was a, a shore, Toronto Lakeshore band. No, it actually fucking yeah. more of a Lakeshore band because Mike's from like Lakeshore, Mimico area. But you're from like actual Toronto, Toronto, correct? Yeah, yeah Riverdale, yeah. which is maybe you've heard of a little band called the Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Riverdale. No, the Riverdales were not. They're <laughs> from Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe you've heard of a little actor by the name of uh, uh, Ben Kevin Cook McDonald. <laughs> no, Ben and I would be talking about the Upper Beaches, which yeah. is kind of like Outer Scarborough, to be honest with you. More than it is like the beach, you know. Ben Ben's from the beaches, but it's like far from the beach. It's like <clears throat> part of like, but it's downtown Toronto. We can get into this whole thing. I can tell you about everyone's neighborhood, and this would be the most boring episode of Turn Out of Punk ever. When I was younger, um, I used to give people these tours of my neighborhood, and in retrospect, they must have been so fucking boring. <laughs> like, bands that would come to stay at my house, I'd be like, oh, Ensign, well, let me show you where Kim Mitchell lives. And they'd be like, who's Kim Mitchell? Yeah. <laughs> Chris got it. <laughs> no, I, I didn't get it. No, I know. I no one knows. Yeah. I was- you know who knows who Kim Mitchell is and actually loves Kim Mitchell is John Worcester, who, who uh, may have something to do with this episode. Yeah. Um, as well. But he uh, yeah. he's a big Kim Mitchell fan. Kim Mitchell also was in Max Webster, famously did the Straight Edge Anthem. Dave, this is for you. Might as well go for a soda. Oh, yeah. Is that an accidental straight edge anthem? No, he doesn't know. No, it's a it's a Canadian thing. They don't really know it in America. Only very few people. Like Philadelphia was really popular. In certain places, was really popular, but not not. He never had a big hit in America. But yeah, go for a soda is like this like total like radio rock song about how drinking soda is better because you're not going to die. Yep. And it's like it's sick. It is a sick song for like a radio rock song. It's it's pretty awesome. Yep, agreed. It, it would never, it would never be popular in Pittsburgh because we say pop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we actually say pop in Canada too. They were just trying to be. Well, like, well, they were trying to cross regional. over to America. They were like, "We got to get into the American market." Like, what do they call it down there? They're like, "We got to change the lyrics. We can't be. Might as well go for a pop now. It's got to be. Might as well go for a soda." <laughs> yeah. Well. Might as well go for a pop. Nobody of... lives and nobody cries. Might as well go for soda. Nobody lives and nobody lies. That is what the chorus sounds like. Yes, <laughs> it is sick and it is uh, proto sort of not proto strange, but 
Or what, I don't know what year did that come out? Maybe it is. No, no, no. Definitely, it's it's definitely post Straight Edge. It's like cheesy. I think it's got to be li- at least late eighties. He was probably like gacked out of his mind on blow, and someone's like <laughs> in the Max Webster dressing room, and someone's like, "Yo, Kim, check out this new record that just came out of DC," and put the needle down, and he heard Ian McKay, and he's like, "Fuck this! I'm going Straight Edge, and I'm going to write a song." You don't you don't think they were listening to Let's Go Get Cokes by the faction and they're like, you know, let's just change this a little bit and make it our own thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yo, she's like, Can I copy your homework? Yeah, but don't make it look too obvious. Yeah, this is totally different. Let's go get soda. Yeah. Uh, to go to a band you just referenced. I remember being at a show and there was a, a girl with a a Pepsi tattoo and like the dude uh the singer of Ensign was talking to someone else. I want to say it's not really important, but it was like one of their crew. And uh, like, talk, I'm, I'm about, I'm going to sneeze. The other distracting me. But anyway, he was like, oh, that girl's got a Pepsi tattoo. Like, that's fucking bullshit. And like my head, I'm like, oh, these dudes <laughs> like, are these dudes like b- being like political? Like she's got like a corporate thing. Like, you know, like that's where my like 1998 <laughs> brain went. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. Corporations, bullshit. Like, why isn't it like a why isn't it a fucking coke tattoo? Like, and they're, they're, that's what they were like mad about. Is that like they had the wrong soda tattoo? Don't get Damien started. Yeah, because they're wrong. Because Pepsi is a better soda. But uh, <laughs> I was actually going to get a Pepsi tattoo at a point too. But then I saw CM Punk had one. And I'm like, oh fuck, I'm going to have one. This guy's going to have one. Uh, little did then I. Then you guys could have that to talk about wrestler. But yeah, but it would have been. That would have been one more reason for him to not like me or not get along with me. <laughs> this guy's got the same fucking tattoo as me. Great. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, but no, I, I, I remember one time seeing Catharsis play, and it was with Reach the Sky. And they went on this like whole anthem like, this song's about people that enjoy Coca-Cola. And like went on this thing, you know, Brian from Catharsis, and then they're like, "Yay, Coca Cola!" At the back, weird Bill reached the sky. Catharsis, yeah, Catharsis, another like real fun time band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, smiles ear to ear the whole set. Um, I saw, yeah, I saw them a handful of times in the, in the late nineties. What do you think, around. like Catharsis and like those bands that they were friends with that didn't actually seem at all like they'd share the, any of the same political views talked about? Like you know, uh, I'm going to guess politics, but like, like because like, I bet like, you like, that's who everyone talked to them yeah, about. Yeah, like like wasn't like is it like One Life Crew that's on one of those crime thing comps? God, that can't be true. I don't There's know. There's something like really weird <laughs> like that. There's like honestly like an outlier <laughs> that's like crazy weird on one of those comps. I don't know. Maybe like that. I, I kind of need to look that up. But there's something that's like really weird and you're like, even Gehenna. Like what do you think, you know, Mike Cheese talked about with Brian Catharsis? I, I, I don't know. Like I, I want Mike to come on this show so badly. I gotta hit him up. We talk to each other on Instagram. But uh, that'd be amazing to have him on the show. Oh, yeah, here's Ruination on one of the crime thing comps to go back to uh, Canada. Yeah, of course. I think Ruination was playing not not just Canada. That's international. Yeah, don't don't 
Don't saddle us with that one. That's, oh, that's you're right, both you're of right. our problems. <laughs> yeah. A, a pretty fucked up band. Yep. Oh, don't, don't believe me. Don't worry. I never <laughs> let certain members of Fucked Up forget that. I'm looking at, yeah, inside front 11, I couldn't see anybody. 12, I can't find. Yeah, I think it's definitely on an inside front cover. So I'm like, like. 11 has, yeah, the, no. Well, which which lockjaw is this? No, not the Buffalo not the jaw. lockjaw I'm thinking of. Buffalo lockjaw. Yeah. Um no, I don't know. I can't find uh, that metal comp anywhere though. You, you might be right. I've got it downstairs yeah. in my uh my Cleveland part of my library, I'm pretty sure, but I'm not gonna go downstairs right now and look for those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not that metal. Either way, what were the what were our final points here? I think we've been rattling on. I don't have it. Like I have other. One like, life crew on inside notes. front comp. First one I clicked on. What one? On I just uh, checked off the cuff and too much authority on inside front the compact disc. I think it's the, from '96. Wow, wow. they lead it off there. Yeah, and also Cy Wars. Really? So you were correct. But like, That's yeah. so weird. Yeah, like, what would that talk be like? <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on immigration? Well, we do a label called Crime Think. Well, you know what? We think the society's ridden with it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we talk about anything else? Nope, nope, okay. Nope. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, none of my other points are, like, actual, like, you know real points so i'm i'm good yeah. I also my, like, my only other point guys, is just, uh, turned out a punk live at at the gathering oh my god yeah <laughs> oh god, no i'm not going to that one i might be going yeah. this year i might be going <laughs> and my my little note in the email was must be hell uh, i also like that he referred to you <laughs> yeah. as being famous yeah that was good too that was awesome i love yeah. I, I love that too you're famous yeah i don't remember what it was in context to anymore but i enjoyed the, it was that, throwing fago to the crowd of people <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you know, i've never been on tour with a band that really that's really part of the show it wasn't like the foo fighters at the end of the show ever were like come back on stage with us. we're gonna spray all these people with fago <laughs> well the arcade I, fire. You know, the, whatever the next round of fucked up tours are try to work that in so the first uh, like <laughs> Kind of like yeah. related to spraying soda pop, like the but closest I've ever come to spraying Fago into a crowd full of people is the first night we played with the Arcade Fire. It was during the point in Fucked Up when I used to come on stage with two fan, full cans of pop and smash them against my head till they exploded. So uh-huh. of course I did this, and we had set up in front of all the Arcade Fire's gear, so pop went all over their shit. Like soda pop went all over their shit, and uh, <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, you guys can't do that ever again." And that was the last time I smashed a head on my can on my head before we played. There was probably a little part of you that was really excited that that era was ending. No, I I was really pissed off, and in fact, the next night I did it to spite them. But then Jonah was like, because they were they never got mad at me. It was always to Jonah, who is <laughs> our tour manager. And then Jonah would have to be like, "Please, Damien, don't do it. They're really <laughs> upset. Please." So. Yeah, that's probably why we weren't asked back. Well, 
next time. You know, they, they got a new round. Of, they, they're ra- uh, ramping things up for another album cycle. Who knows? You maybe. might be asked back. Maybe. Maybe, they, maybe, they, maybe they're like, hey, you know who should bring back? The band that our fans didn't like. <laughs> Let's call those guys again. <laughs> Give those soda heads a call. Yeah. Yo, I can't believe this One Life Crew <laughs> comp. It's like One Life Crew, and also on this comp is Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 no one, you have that comp, I guess. So I guess someone got it, but. I know, think I do no have one. this comp, but I, I don't, it goes for like $25 now on the, on the resource. It's well, like an expensive, the, valuable thing. Thirty. good thing is, like, I mean, you have to wonder what One Life crew think about it now. Yeah. Like, really, like, most of all those other bands are probably like, yeah, I don't know why they were on there. They must like, what, how did this, what did we do? Did they, what, <laughs> I don't know if the One Life crew really think about themselves in those sorts of contexts. Ever. Do you think they were just trying to get their way it is type situation where they'll just have that one like kind of dodgy band on a compilation? They're like, eh, I don't yeah, know. We need, you know what we need? <laughs> we need our YDL. Who could be yeah. our YDL? OLC. Yeah. Chubby Fresh is like, I can do that. And they're like, oh, perfect. We need that. What is this reality check One Life Crew record? Oh, it's a tape. Like a stat. Yeah. Whoa, I've never seen this. Is this just the, is this the, oh no, it's other stuff on it too. Weird. Oh, it's a CD also. Well, the CD is just like a reissue, oh, reissue thing. Yeah. But, but the actual thing is like the, whatever, I okay. guess, sort of demo or whatever. Okay. Oh, crazy. Seemingly. Yep. Crazy. That record is one of the most infamous records in the history of hardcore. Definitely. What, crime in society? Yep. Yep. That was a record yeah, it that, was a... that split the scene. <laughs> it was it was a it was a largely talked about record at the time. Yep, for sure. You were either labeled a Figario or you weren't at that time. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike I, was on the website as one of the Figarios because <laughs> he helped lead the I, crew boycott. I, I was a. Uh... Not a supporter, but I was not a, you know, I guess I wasn't as vocal about it as Mr. Halichuk was. No, I was not a supporter either, but I don't, I didn't make the website. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just laugh because Damien loves to point out that fact every time he can, whenever it comes up. Dude, I brought, I I, I brought it up to Chubb Fresh when I met Chubby Fresh. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. I'm like, anytime, I'm like... (laughs) Oh, you guys have a connection. <laughs> uh, also, uh, you know, uh, we can get in that whole story. That's another day. That's for the yeah. episode. Play here. We need to keep it in Philly. Yeah, we need to keep it Philly. Um, we also should talk about Philly boy Roy, I guess, too. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could really mention with him is that, I, that would be that I already brought up autistic behavior. But yeah, he he was a. Uh, he was going pretty far on things that I don't have a lot to say about. Are you best you know, show like fans? Yeah, are you, are you guys best show guys? I know you are, Dave. Martin. Um, my, I wanted to be, but it would be to me. It'd be like it's too intimidating in the sense of being like, where do you start? Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Hey, have you ever? Have you guys checked out movies? 
You know, it's like, where the fuck do you begin? You know, like, the best show would felt like that. Like, where? how do I start this? Oh, I will tell you right now, the music expert. Because I, I feel like when, uh, was it Gary the Squirrel? Yeah, um, that's, 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 when, that's deep. you got to be so deep before you can get into the Gary the Squirrel stuff. When but, I feel like with, at one point, my social media was very Gary the Squirrel heavy. I'm like, all right, let's give, let's give this best show thing a, a, a listen. And then it was like, wow, this is super long. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm, what's going on. And then I, I gave up. You know what's your, like, uh, cream puff war for the Grateful Dead? Is uh, if you listen to the music expert. That one. It, it, it's really the good. music snob. It, Dame played it for me on the road because I hadn't heard that one. And I was very impressed. I think that's the most I've ever heard you laugh in my life, Chris. Oh, I was dying. I was yeah. dying. It, it is, did help that I hadn't slept in probably 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. We, were, <laughs> we were both hilariously tired of that boy, too. But, like, that, the music snob one is... I, I don't know. I just like very few pieces of comedy have delivered on so many levels so well to me. Yeah. Worcester in that is a 100,000% genius. It's crazy. It's, you have to hear it, Dave. You'll love it. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It, it's literal perfection. It's what, like half an hour long or something? Yeah. Like 25 minutes, I think, for half an hour. Yeah. And it, it, it literally checks every box of what you would make fun of about that whole thing. It's incredible. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, and, and you kind of got to experience it tonight with Dave Martin talking about the Chromex. <laughs> no, I disagree with that. <laughs> we we love the hot takes around here. That's what yeah, we no, absolutely, on. absolutely. It was uh, it was more of the delivery that I was talking. About. Speaking of speaking of hot takes, how about Silly Boy Roy's stance on Scram? <laughs> I didn't get that. What was that about? I can't remember. What did he say? <laughs> He did. He said, "Scram, they suck." Oh yeah, uh, he hates right. scram. Yeah. Did you get a lot yeah. of emails from 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 Hooters fans or whatever that uh, other Philly band that comes up in there? The Hooters fans? No. Yeah. That's a band that only exists in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Got, no Cinderella talk on this episode. Are uh, they from Philadelphia? Bands from Philadelphia. Yeah. They were from Philly. Uh, Never knew that. Yeah. Dude, John Worcester, um, if you get John Worcester talking about Philadelphia, do you have you heard the John Worcester episode? Me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, the Philadelphia stuff on that is deep. Yeah. Deep. He could have gone to Cinderella. I think Hall and Oates are from Philly as well. Yep. Oh damn. As far as uh, mutant Philadelphia music goes. Dude, you gotta go into the Philadelphia <laughs> you gotta go through Philly Boy Roy archives on the best show and hear some of these Philadelphia. He did a whole Rambaki storyline. Which is where he wrote a script for a movie where it was basically Rambo and Rocky sequels combined, called Rambaki. And Hollow Notes are in it. It's 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 a it's a heavy duty script. I mean, I, I prior to watching this uh, to doing this episode, I did catch up on my It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So I'm you know keeping abreast with Philadelphia, you know, in 2017. I would nice. say for the best show, if you want to get into the best show as a punk hardcore fan, the two best calls to listen to. Are the music snob that we mentioned before, and then the hammerhead call, which is where uh, Tom's hardcore punk show bully calls in hammerhead, and it is <laughs> fucking incredible. And then the one where hammerheads, I think it's hammerheads brother calls in after Harley Flanagan gets sent to jail, is also pretty fucking incredible too. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll make a note on that. Yeah, those are the ones. Those are, definitely check out. 
and to take it back to Scram, I have to say now I could be misremember I could be misremembering this, but I'm pretty sure I saw Schooly D once where Scram wow. was a backup band. Wow. Whoa. Schooly D the originator oh. of gangster rap too. Fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. Where was that so, in Pittsburgh? It was in Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, I'll have I'll have to uh, I'll have to check with some people, but I'm pretty sure that his backup band was Scram. Wow! Wow! So, so they can't be entirely written off. No, but John <laughs> even by Philly Boy, even by Philly Boy. <laughs> Philly Boy Roy is very dismissive, as we all can we've all seen. He's very opinionated, I should say. That for me yeah. might have been the biggest thrill of like the tour was just getting to like riff with Philly boy, Roy, <laughs> you know, just like just yeah. riffing. It was very surreal. Very surreal. Like, yes, yeah, very like that to like, I don't know. I spent so many fucking hours listening to the best show on fucked up tours, just in the back of the van, just like for hours and hours listening to those phone calls. And then to like be in a phone call, Weird. <laughs> Will you get uh, extra listeners to the podcast from that for like people that need that content? Uh, who knows? Like the best show just launched like a best show twenty four seven service. The best show has one of the most successful. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, patron. What's it called? Patronize me? No. Patreon. Patron. I don't know. Patreon. Yeah. Patreon, yeah. It's one of the most successful successful Patreon campaigns ever. Right now, so they've launched a 24-7 service. So you can listen to the best show 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But yes, if they're still hungry for more after that, they might come here. And I'll tell you where they're definitely going to come next week on the show when the grandfather, I guess not the father, the grandfather, the father of the best show universe, uh, Tom Sharpling, is on the show. Next week. Did you want to do a part two? Well, he's doing his part two next week. He's coming back. I tell you, there's been like, this. that was the cool thing about this tour. It worked out a lot of part twos. Because I think part twos mm-hmm. in the live setting are, are work re- kind of well. Oh, yeah. Next week's a live episode. Sorry, I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, next week's a live episode. Next week's the last of the live tour. We're going to, but we finish with a, we finish strong. Right, Chris? Agreed, yeah. Like we finished, I think, maybe... Maybe with like arguably like the greatest, some of the greatest hits, like some of the most requested part twos I've had for the show next week, all in a row. And Mr. Martin was live with us too. And I was going to say, also requested in the flesh and delivered in the flesh, one Dave Martin. (laughs) Okay. Guesting on the show next week as well. So... It's like, you know, not that this week wasn't incredible, but next week is is also incredible. So it's just like from strength to strength to strength to strength. And now I've got like a little backlog, a little cushion of episodes built up. So I'm just going to be able to program a little bit, hopefully. <laughs> there you go. Plan yeah. yeah. these out. Be like a Turn It a Punk podcast DJ. Um, but does anyone have else, any other points they want to get to for today? Did we talk about Dan? We talked about Dan a little bit. 
We really didn't talk about it all that much. I I referenced his blazing oh. adjective as well as uh. Yeah. We talked about New York hardcore. And and did he stick around for Roxanne Chante? Oh, I I might, I wonder if they did. But like, what a I crazy first show to see as a kid. That is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Like especially in New York, like you know, I I, we, I know we've had a lot of people that were young going to shows and stuff like that, but like something about New York City at that time feels so much more like uh, uh, high high energy in a very scary way. Yeah, I remember uh, Mike that was in Full Speed Head and Splitting Headache. Uh, he wanted to go see JFA. I want to say it was like that around that might even been 83 when they did a tour and mm-hmm. his mom would not let him go to uh, city gardens, nor would his mom let him go to CBGB. So he did not get to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were like, well, it was a dangerous city. Like, you know, like Jeff who was on the show and that's later that he was going, he got stabbed trying to go to a show like Jeff uh, from Thursday. Yeah. That was crazy. You know? So it's like, you know, that in New York, it's a, uh, you know, to see that, wow, that would be a crazy show. And also, um, like, uh, I can't think of too many records. I love, you know, this is obviously something that comes up on the show a lot, but records that kind of change the zeitgeist of a genre. That Lifetime, Hello Bastards, and more New Jersey's Best Dancers, when that came out, the amount of bands that started sounding more poppy. It was incredible. I don't know what it was like for you in your neck of the woods, Dave. I, I feel like it was also a little bit more like posthumous. I feel like yeah, after Lifetime right. broke up is really when it when it blew up. Like I, I mean, I remember seeing them, you know, on like Hello Bastards and stuff like that, and don't remember it being, you know, I feel like they were their own thing. Like I don't remember there being like bands that sounded like them at the time mm-hmm. um, until afterwards. Yeah. Um, but as as far as other things he mentioned. I I enjoy the the referencing of like Village Voice because I I also remember being getting like e- Village Voice and getting like East Coast Rocker and other like kind of like free weekly newspapers and just going through the like the club ads to see like that was another way to find out about shows like the Wetlands and CBs and Coney Island High was just getting those. Because at least it was like a, a solid way to find out what was coming up in New York. Yeah, like I, I guess, you know, I didn't really have those things, but you could buy Village Voice at like press agents, but it'd be expensive. But was there like a Toronto equivalent? Yeah, like Now and I were our things here that were like our like free weeklies that had the show listings in the back, and and, and now still going and still like a a part of you know the culture landscape cultural landscape i magazine folded shortly mm-hmm. after putting fucked up on the cover so draw your own conclusions on that one yeah east coast rocker became like ec rocker or something like that or, and then turned into something <coughs> else and then i forget what it became village voice is still going right yeah yeah village voice is still there was there a, a pittsburgh equivalent do you hear about all the like electric banana shows and whatnot <laughs> um yeah what a like you know, I forget what what existed. Uh, there wasn't really anything in the '80s, really, that I mm-hmm. can remember. Somebody will probably tell me I'm wrong, but um, you know, you just had to listen to WRCT or something if you wanted to find out about all the shows. 
And I think and, that's... Oh, sorry, go on, Dave. Uh, well, no. And then there was, like, the city paper or whatever. But that came around in the 90s, I think. <laughs> yeah, like, New York is, like, you know, New York and London, L.A. too. Um, are like, there's certain cities you go to, and when you open one of those things, you're like, holy shit, there are tons of shows happening tonight. There are so many. Like, you know, I think even in Toronto, you know, now it's different, but there was a time where if you were in like to like punk music, you'd probably keep track of them pretty easily through the hardcore hotline, which was a phone number that you could call and someone would have an answering machine that would, and they would read off all the shows that were happening in the next couple of weeks. New York had one of those as well. Yeah. It was weird when you called, it was busy. (laughs) Who's calling? It's just hot time. Hot time to find out when shows were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, like, uh, oh, go ahead. Um, New York had one that was before my time, but it was like OPEC SID or something like that. It was like the, the letters, like if you dialed it into a phone. And it was, uh, that was just like the New York City hardcore, like punk sky, like show list. We would call the like shitty rock club that we would go to shows at sometimes when I was like real young, just cause like their, their answer machine would be like, uh, here's the like upcoming, like national acts, so to speak. So you'd see like what a touring bands are coming through, but you know, that was not cool. <laughs> it was just uh, what we were doing locally. Yeah. I guess also they put like the big, big shows in the paper. You know? Yeah. So anyway, um. Anything so, else? But, um, and more, well, more on Doctor. So he too is now an epitaph recording artist, right? Yes. Oh yeah. We all are. Yeah. Yep. Surprise. I had something to mention in regards to Lifetime, real quick. Live. I was discussing this. I forgot to ask Dan if you've ever noticed the Lifetime cover for Hello Bastards. The House Martins is yeah, it's very similar to the House Martins uh, London Nil Hell Four, but I didn't know if uh, that was intentional, like if they designed it or if it's just some like hokey graphic design person who just laid that on there or what. Uh, no, that wasn't the guy from Jaytree, a hokey graphic design person. Which guy? One of them. I thought one of them was. Uh, I don't think so. One's a real estate agent now. One's a professor. Uh, I I think that was completely intentional, and I think that was yeah, it was definitely it was I mean, intentional. I think it was only, I, I think, think it was an Ari thing, but I'm not 100. percent I think they've been asked about it too. Yeah, and they they kind of they like they willingly cop to it, like that was the the main influence for them. Hmm. Yeah. Well, either way, I was was curious, but you guys just answered it, so there we go. Yeah, Damien. I I would lean this more towards Damien, but I don't know how when you first started going down to New... If you ever went to New Jersey prior to, like, fucked up, really? Yeah, one um, time. Do you ever go to Ari's, Ari's record store? No. I was there... I, I don't know if it was around when I was there. I was there in 99? It was around in 99. Okay, because I was definitely obsessed with Lifetime. We played with Fear Tomorrow in New Brunswick. What was his store? Black Cat. Was it good? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I saw Antidote there. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was a uh, it was a cool store. What year did you see Antidote there? I think ninety eight. Pretty pretty primary to see Antidote. Yeah, 
the good the good time. <laughs> why were why were they doing stuff in '98? Um, maybe it was '99. I don't know. Um, do you remember um, the? I think it, I don't remember if, the, if he ended up doing it, but that label Hellbent was going to do a reissue of the seven inch. And I yeah, believe I that dude kind of put it together. I think they did it um, on CD. I don't think they ever did the. Yeah, maybe it was just a CD. But uh, so they did a couple shows to support that. So they played like Casino Skate Park and they played Black Hat Records. And I think that maybe, I assume they would have played somewhere in New York, but I, I don't remember seeing them in New York, but I definitely saw them at those places. Crazy. David, yeah. up, here's a question directed at you. Did mm-hmm. you know Kevin Gill when you lived in in New York? I don't believe so. No, because okay. that is a, a a very important person in the world of punk rock podcasts. I mean, punk rock wrestling podcasts. I listen to, and you know, once again, blown away to find out that that was the guy from Striving for Togetherness Records. Yeah, you know, <coughs> I did and not also know that. a very key figure in the Juggalo world. <laughs> Back to this. Um, whoop whoop <laughs> is he a juggalo I think so yeah <laughs> like I think he's the bridge it's a pretty big accusation uh, no 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 I don't like it I, like, I, like he really like he whoop whoops it legit like like Jeff talks about it on his episode he even talks about it here like walking around <laughs> with him during gathering and everyone just like recognizes him like what up Kevin whoop whoop are they all going to buy, like, the X marks of Spont Cop and stuff like that? Or... <laughs> what, did Striving for Togetherness put that out? I think they reissued it. Wasn't it Wasn't it on Smorgasbord originally? Yeah, it was on Smorgasbord originally. Let's look. You know, we got to go to the resource for this one. <laughs> I thought I thought that was the label that, like, put it out again, like, it reissued it. Maybe they I did. I don't know. I'm, we're going we're gonna to look through this right now, gentlemen. <laughs> Yo, their first release... Starting out strong, intent to injure. <laughs> they also did the Twenty Five to Life uh, CD. Um, yeah, I bet you they oh, would right. okay do the, the, the gathering spot reissue, and they did the upfront <laughs> reissue. Yo, I got to get this guy on the podcast so badly. District Nine, VOD, shut down. Yeah, all sorts of great stuff. Vision. Oh, uh, there's like there's like awesome stuff on this actually, like legit. Like I didn't even realize this record label put out. Like I knew about obviously no redeeming social values, but I had no idea about the uh, the reissue stuff. No, I don't. Yeah, Kevin Gill does not. Uh, I don't think that's someone I would know. He looks, I mean, in looking at pictures of him, he does look kind of familiar, but I don't, I wasn't like friends with him. Yeah, well, because you were like a punk dude and he's a hardcore dude. Yeah. You never tell the you can't mix. Oil and water, dude. <laughs> Oil and water. And <laughs> uh, yeah, this is now just silently people looking through this driving for together. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop that. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't stop. I want to, but I can't. There's like intent to injure I, I, that first intent to injure seven inch low key. One of my f- favorite late eighties records. Keep us. Strong. I don't know about that. Late eighties, late eighties. 
But if you want, like, you're right. Everything. If I want to just, if I want to just name a record from that's in the similar vein and the similar time period, like the Gut Instinct record kills it. Agreed. Yeah, the Gut Instinct record's fucking incredible. So good. Yeah, it's another underrated record, though. Um, maybe because yeah, their names are spelled on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> you know, details, details, man. Um, yeah, another band to share, share the stage with Fucked Up. Yep. Yo. I saw people, I saw legends. I saw ghosts at that show. I'll leave it I, at that. I, was, I, I saw ghosts I was, at that show. You were there? Uh, oh, yeah. Was a great show. That was a great show, eh? Like, like I remember Greg Mental like, busted in the mouth. I remember uh, Dave Bird, like, in cussed to shit. And you know what? That was also probably your first time ever seeing Chris O'Toole. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was playing bass for us that tour, not Sandy. I, I did play that. I did play that concert. I did. Well, I have things to say about it that are not for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we've exhausted the, uh, the Philadelphia-ness. All right. Well, let's leave this till next week. Next week on the show, live from New York, featuring uh, your friends and my friends, Tony Rettman, art author of the New York Hardcore book, Why Be Something That You're Not, which is a Midwest oral history book, which is awesome, and then also author of the upcoming Straight Edge book, oral history that's coming up pretty soon. Uh, on the show also is my friend and your friend and uh, friend of us all, Andy Capper. Um, who does nothing but argue with me for the entire course of the interview. Uh, there's also... Oh, i trying to remember who came out after that. Next was uh, well, Walter Schreifels, uh Legendary Walter Schreifels, <laughs> Meredith Graves, and then Tom Sharpling from The Best Show. Meredith Graves, probably the most requested repeat guest on this show. Finally back for a part two. Um, she's amazing. Tom Sharpling, obviously, legend, back for part two, very much requested. Walter Schreifels, you know, amazing, amazing, amazing musician. On me musically. Also, we'd mainly talk about Moondog, his most obscure band. One of the <laughs> more obscure bands. World's Fastest Car would probably be the more obscure, right? Yeah, maybe a little bit more obscure. But Moondog's right up there. Um, yeah. And then also... Not just that, but the cherry on top of that, two cherries, Chris O'Toole and Dave Martin. How does that sound <laughs> for you, David Up? Uh, I, I, I know I feel a little neglected on this one, you know. Well, well, you know, <laughs> hung out, I guess. You had you had your all your own one, right? So now we got to bring everyone together for one of these things. Are you going to South by yeah. Southwest, Dave? At the gathering. Martin? What's that? Are you going to South by Southwest? I don't think I am. Okay. Uh, I mean, that could change, but I don't think I am. Wow. Then we, if, if it does, we've got to find a way to maybe get Chris O'Toole there because something might be happening down in Austin. I don't know for sure. Okay. Put, I'll, I'll keep you posted if that changes. Okay, put some rumblings out there. Just put in some rumblings. <laughs> um, I would love to go. Okay. Well, we've got to figure this all out. But that's not for tonight. Tonight, the only thing we have left to do is talk about all the stuff off mic that we couldn't talk about on mic <laughs> while recording this podcast. <laughs> so until next week, everyone, thank you for listening.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.